Welcome to episode 19 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave and Jengis. And we are hosted on geekade.com. What's your geek? So Commander 2017 just came out. Yeah. And I I mean, I've talked about this. We talked about this. We did talk about this. Um, so, I mean, there's not too much more to say. The main four decks are you have dragons, wizards, cats, and uh, uh, vampires. Vampires. Oh Thank my. you, man. Yeah, um, <laughs> I have it in front of me too. I know you um, built a deck. You talked about it. I know we're, we're about to talk about it some more. Um, the ba- the main biggies we have. We have the Ur Dragon. Yeah. We have Arabo, Roar of the Wa- of the World, Edgar Markov, and Inala Archmage Ritualist. Um, just as a reminder, we're both going to talk about two of the commanders and what they do. Why don't you start us off, Jangs, with the Ur Dragon? Sure, the Ur Dragon. Is has converted mono, uh, casting cost of nine. Mm-hmm. That's four colorless and five, uh, one of each. So white, blue, black, red, green. Yes, the colors uh, of magic, not purple. Yes, <laughs> uh, he's a ten ten, and his his ability is eminence, which is something that uh, all these the big commanders share. Yeah, eminence uh, is an ability that they've had before, but they've now officially typed. The eminence ability for those that played the commander sets of earlier years will remember cards like uh, Devery and Oloro, who they had abilities where um, if they were in the command zone, the abilities were still kind of doing something. That is now um, a typed ability called eminence. And the Ur-Dragon's eminence is? Yes, when as long as Ur-Dragon is on the command zone or the battlefield, other dragon spells you cast cost one less to cast, one colorless, untyped Ooh. mana to cast. Ooh. Yes, he's flying. Time for sexy pot. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever one or more dragons you control attack, draw that many cards, then you may put a permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. Not a dragon, any old permanent. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it, it warrants <laughs> playing uh, when he's out, swing, keep putting things out. Yep. Next up, we have Anala, the Archmage Ritualist. Is Grixis Colors and two, and two untyped mana. Um, legendary Creature Human Wizard 4-5. Eminence is whenever a non-token wizard enters the battlefield under your control, if Anala Archmage Ritualist is in the command zone or on the battlefield, you may pay one. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that wizard. The token gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. Um, tap five untapped wizards you control. Target player loses seven life. How tricksy. Yeah, very, very tricksy. <laughs> After that, we have Arabo, Roar of the World. He's uh, three colors, green and white. So he's Selesnia. Uh His eminence is the beginning of combat on your turn. If Arabo is command zone or battlefield, another target, crack, another target cat you control gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. And whenever you another cat you control attacks when he's in the field, you may pay one colorless green and white. And if you do, it gains trample and gets plus X, plus X until end of turn where X is its power. So it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like uh, the god. What's his face? Oh my God, I use him all the time. Uh, trickster God, Trickster God. Zenigos? Yes, Zenigod. <laughs> he likes Zenigod. His ability, and uh, but yeah, five five, pretty solid, quick to get out. I like him. Next, we have Edgar Markov, Big Papa Markov, Daddy Markov. Um, Edgar is. What do you call that again? I can't even remember the name that they gave it oh. in cons. Oh my god, it's like derp. Oh, Mardu. No. Are you sure? Yeah, pretty sure Mardu is... Not red, white, black? Maybe. Mardu? Well, red, white, and black, as you can hear from Jengis, is Edgar's colors. Um, And then he costs another three more to cast. 
He's a vampire knight, as per Markov, and is a 4-4. His eminence is whenever you cast another vampire spell, not when it enters the battlefield, but whenever you cast a vampire spell, if he's in the command zone or on the battlefield, you create a 1-1 black vampire. It is Mardu. It is Mardu. Good for you. Yeah. You get a cookie. Here's a gold star. Oh, thanks, buddy. A banana sticker. Um, he, <laughs> in addition to creating a bunch of vampires, he has first strike and haste. And whenever he attacks, you put a plus one, plus one counter on each vampire creature you control. <laughs> That's so nasty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we could spend time and talk about the decks. I mean, we might talk about a couple specific cards, but really I wanted to kind of focus on the commanders. Okay. And if I had to rank them, I'll tell you my ranking. You can see, mm -hmm. see if you agree. I think the weakest of these commanders is Cat Commander. Really? I do. I think Cat Commander is the weakest. Interesting. I, I rank Cat Commander at my at four. My number three coming in is probably Inala. Um, I like her, but it's probably Inala because while she her ability is crazy, it's very deck dependent, mm -hmm. and more so than the other ones. I mean, granted, like yes, if you built an Edgar Markov deck without vampires, clearly you're not going to be using him correctly. And same thing if you didn't build, but like. It's not just about building a wizard deck. Yes. It's about utilizing specific wizards. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, which is why I put her at three. Because you have to actually think a lot with her. Um, I put Ur-Dragon at number two. Um, I think the Ur-Dragon is probably, well, maybe even number one. I don't know. It's hard. It's a toss-up between Edgar and Ur-Dragon. Um, I'm going to keep Ur-Dragon at number two. Reason being, yes, dragons cost one less, but that putting a permanent on the battlefield ability is 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 stupid. It's pretty strong. It is, it is dumb. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I'd, I'd probably put Edgar Markov at number one, only because on cast a vampire spell, you get a vampire. He has haste built in. He's swinging. He's creating counters on the creatures. He's just he has a lot of overrun potential very quickly. Um, so I, I really do think that uh, Edgar's probably my number one. I think, in my opinion, um, as far as Commander goes, I would put the I would put the Wizard at the bottom. Similarly, um, my number three would be Ur. My number two would be a Rabo, the cat, hmm. and my number one would be Big Daddy Markov. Really? You, th you yeah. think a Rabo's that good, huh? I think a Rabo's pretty strong. Mm. Like the the kind of like. The Xenogod ability is pretty strong. I feel like if you have the mana for it, you at least have a... And if you have a couple good buffs in your hand or like something like that, you can make a Rabo really strong on the get-go. Yeah. yeah, but I feel... I don't know. I mean, the only downside is a Rabo. That's why he's not number it, one, is that a Rabo can't buff himself. Can't buff himself. He costs three mana to use the ability that Xenogod has built in. And it's another creature. That's it, true. It's cat creature you control. It's not all cat creatures. It's a cat creature. Mm -hmm. Spot removal still applies. There's yeah. just, I, I feel like there's just a lot of workarounds. Yeah. Like Big Daddy Markov, it's all vampires. Yeah. Big Daddy Markov's strong. Dragon, it's something's happening. Mm -hmm. Archmage, that's the toss-up. Um, so I built... I built Anala and I built Edgar. Uh -huh. Today, actually. The day of this cast. <laughs> um... It took me almost my entire day, actually. Oh, my God. I, you know, I dropped off Dresden at daycare at, like, 7.30. I was home by 7.45. And it took me probably until about 3.30 straight 
to build both of those decks. Did, did, did you did you eat? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, it's because you're on that funky diet too. No. Oh, you're not on that funky. Yeah. No. Well, anyways. <laughs> um, no, I got. I'm. That's neither here nor there. But I. Yeah. No, I just didn't really eat because I wanted to get it done. But Inala probably took me five of those hours. Wow. Was it really that hard to find like like the right synergy? So I'm going to talk about Edgar first and then we'll finish it off with Inala and okay. then we'll move on. So Edgar, um, he's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Vampires. Vamps. Get some good vamps. But there's so many vamps. Some I don't even have. So it came down to li- – I, I don't think – Outside of vampire spells, there's very few actual other things I have in that deck. Like, I have the Exquisite Bond Sanguine Blood combo, mm-hmm. not only for flavor, but because it's just great. Yeah. Um, I've got two of the four Sorens in the deck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I laugh because of something we'll talk about later. And then I've got a couple, couple of quips and maybe some no monostones. Spot, no spot removal? No. Really? I forewent spot removal. That seems like a mistake. It seems that way, but I'm not building a control deck. I'm building an aggro deck. That's true. I got to remember. I, you, it's my 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 commander philosophy has been. If you listen to past episodes, my overall thing is: if you have a strategy you're trying to employ, focus on that strategy and don't get um, distracted by shiny. And with white and black. Spot removal looks real good. In fact, removal of all kinds look real good. Yeah, they're the removal kings. I think I have one single removal spell in the entire deck. And the only reason I put it, it's so expensive, but the only reason I put it in there is because it's just so good for the deck. And that's the new, I don't know if it's new or reprint, but it came in the commander set. It's a, it costs seven mana. It's a black wipe, but wipes, you pick a creature type, it wipes all other creature types. So I pick vamps and everything but vamps dies. Yeah. So a one-sided wipe is the only removal I put in the deck. Um, there's a couple removals tied to some vamps. Like I've got Gatekeeper of Malakir in there that, you know, if I kick it, somebody sacrifices a creature. And, you know, I have some other stuff. Vampire Hex Mage obviously is a Planeswalker killer if I need it. Um, but honestly, I just streamlined it to where it's like a good healthy mix of vamps. Mm-hmm. I had to start actually... I had to cull a lot of higher cost vamps for lower cost vamps that maybe aren't as strong in terms of their abilities, but you need them for the early game. I found a lot of Edgar, a lot of what I wanted to do with him is late game. I want to play a lot of early game vamps. I want to get that early game jump on all those plus one, plus one, you know, or sorry, the one, one vampire tokens and then get a whole bunch of plus one, plus one counters on them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So really... That was that was pretty quick. It just came down to I had too many options and I had to like really just kind of <laughs> an embarrassment of vampires. Yeah, and granted, I have to play test it, see how it goes. But yeah. I think I think it was the right choice. Um, Inala, Inala. What took me so long was the way I'm playing Inala is this, and I'm sure there are several ways you can play Inala. I'm playing Enter the Battlefield effects Inala, Wizard Enter the Battlefield effects Inala into a combo. Um, Inala came with as did actually Edgar Markov. They both came with a new card called Bloodline Necromancer, I think is the uh, the name of it. Um, it is a black card. It is one black and f- I believe four um, of something else to play. And its ability is when it comes into play, you can return a creature card 
a vampire or wizard specifically from your graveyard to play. That's right. Now, analysis ability says if you pay one, you can copy. If you have out Ashnod's altar and Inala, and you pull that bloodline, you have an infinite combo. You can do anything with it. First off, you're going to have inst- infinite hasted creatures because you just keep copying. Because what? Let me explain the combo. So you have Anala, you play Bloodline Necromancer, and you have to have at least one mana open to start. Um, the triggered ability of Bloodline Necromancer goes on the stack, um, followed by the ability of Inala. Um, I'm sorry, no, the ability, you stack it the other way. So the first one to resolve is <clears throat> the Necromancer's ability. Mm-hmm. Pull a creature back from your graveyard and put it into play. Okay. Trigger... Anala's ability, pay your one mana, create a copy of Bloodline. In response to creating that to that copy, and that copy's trigger going on the stack before before it even goes on the stack, or you know, to time it right, you sack the original card, putting it in the graveyard with Ashnod's altar, netting you two mana. Then the copy you use to trigger to bring it back into play. And then use one of your mana. To then repeat the process. So now you have infinite colorless mana. Plus. You have infinite hasted tokens. Plus. Any wizard in your graveyard is now back in the play. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Infinite combo. Um, so my Anala deck. Is a lot of wizards with enter the battlefield effects. And a lot of deck. Trim. A lot of like. Are you sure that a hundred percent? Are you sure that Bloodline Necromancer has a valid? The token has a valid target. Okay, so the, read the tokens a bit. Or read I, the uh, Bloodline's I, I ability. I see it. No, read it out loud to the. All right, audience. sorry. <laughs> I'm reading it. Uh, okay, it's a red now. <laughs> <laughs> when Bloodline Necromancer enters the battlefield, you may return target vampire or wizard creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So and the, the way the timing has to work for it to have a legal target, you can't let that ability go on the stack before you sacrifice the thing. So you activate Anala's ability. Before the copy is made, you sacrifice the original. And then the copy is made. Because it's still copying the creature. That ability is already on the stack. It's not... It's not you may. It's not that you may pay one and target creature gets copied. It's just you pay one and get a copy. Can you react to that? Anybody can react. I guess so. I mean, but that's the same with any combo. If you have a counter spell or something to disrupt it, great. But if you don't... No, no. But I mean, like, I feel like... I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. There. <laughs> but anyway, it is an infinite combo. Um, so that's the deck. That's my Nala deck. Um, and that's why it took so long. Because I had to figure out, like, what am I not putting in the deck? I didn't put counter spells in the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't put creature removal. It's like all wizards that are good on their own, and a lot of like ponder and brainstorm, a lot of mana rocks, panharmonicon or whatever it is is in there to make the triggered ability go twice. Ooh. Um, as is the Dryonic Resonator, which does that as well. Stuff like that. That's fun. Can't yeah. wait to see it in combat. Yeah, in practice. Um, what do you think of Commander, all in all? Commander, it's a great format. I mean, I mean. 2017 <laughs> specifically. <laughs> um, I, I like him a lot. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff. I'm glad they're able to 
Um, because it, it's a, it's a, not only is it a, a solid set, though some people will say, oh, they don't really have a lot of like really bombastic, you know, reprints. Um, but I think it, whole in all, it's from a design standpoint, it's a good indicator of what they can do in sets to come mm-hmm. because they're not restrict. They don't restrict themselves anymore by like, all right, we got to have something for every color. Mm-hmm. Or if they have five things, we can do four things. And they they can be unique and tribal, you know, and like right. Or they can do they can mix it up. I'm I'm excited. I hope that I look forward to Commander 2018. And I know I for sure I'm probably gonna be picking up a Papa Markov for myself and making my own vampire deck. I I said this about it. Um, I like the new cards. I like there's a lot of new cards that we're not going into right now. Um, but there's a lot. There's a lot of new cards. Like one that comes to mind is Heirloom Blade, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um couple other things that I saw that were fantastic. Yeah, like the the dragons. There's so many unique dragons. Yeah. The cat dragon. Spirit dragon. Um, but I know what the complaints are. The complaints are that Commander is a very... It's a very staple-heavy format. It's like if you're playing Commander, there are <laughs> this many cards for this many different colors and this many cards universally that are staples in Commander sets. And especially if if they've been printed in a commander set before, it seems weird that those staples are missing, that they like almost powered down their decks. Um, one of them being, for instance, Chromatic Lantern. Chromatic Lantern is an absolute staple in a multicolor deck, yeah. especially one of more than two colors. Mm-hmm. Um, even in, like even if they'd only printed it in one deck, the Ur Dragon should have had a Chromatic Lantern. Instead, they gave it Fist of Suns, which is not as good at all. And honestly, it is weird that they didn't, like, look at the staples. Yet they'll print Soul Ring every set. Like, that's the one thing that they've realized is, like... Soul Ring. It's, it's Soul Ring. And until they decide to ban it in Commander Paper format, like, it is a staple in every deck. <laughs> like, if you're running Commander, you're running Soul Ring. Um, so, yeah. I'm sure I, the, there's a card budget thing going on there. There is, but I just feel like it is weird that they didn't do that. But that didn't deter me from buying the set. Oh, yeah, the new cards were enough for me to say, like, I wasn't... When I buy the Commander sets, I'll be honest, it's not usually for the reprints. It's... I want the new cards. I want the things that I can't get in other sets. Of course. That's um, how I feel, too. Yeah. So, all in all, I think Commander 2017 was pretty freaking good. Yeah. Uh, Go get it. Support Wizards and your local uh, card shops. Local card shops. Woo! Um... Moving on, we have an unset coming out in a couple months. Months. <laughs> months. Uh, and I was thinking of... Have you seen some of the cards from the unset? Have they released cards from the unset? Outside yeah. of the three promos from San Diego Comic-Con? Oh, just the promos. Okay, those aren't actually in the set. Oh, they're not? No, those were promos specific. I wanted specific. to play with Grimlock! I know, and I wanted... <laughs> so at... I, so they, yeah, they showed at San Diego Comic-Con, they had promos. Um, they had Grimlock for the unset. They also had the Sword of Dungeons and Dragons, which was fantastic. So That's the card that I want. In fact, I should probably see. How, I wonder how much the Sword of Dungeons and Dragons goes for. It's probably a lot of money, actually. So, yeah, so they had the Sword of Dungeons and Dragons. Which is so cool. They have the... Uh, Grimlock, and then they have Nerf War. Um, I loved Sword of Dungeons and Dragons. It's, you know, it's just like all the other swords in the game where it costs three to play and two to equip. 
Um, but it says equipped creature gets plus two plus two and has protection from rogues and clerics. <laughs> whenever an equipped, uh, whenever the equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, create a four four gold dragon creature token with flying and roll a d twenty. If you roll a twenty, repeat repeat this process. Yeah, I think this should, card should be banned for you to play because you roll a lot of twenties. I mean, it's from an unset, <laughs> so I can't play it. But I actually think that that card is not actually that broken. It, it, no, it's not. It, you have to roll twenty. <laughs> it, you have to roll twenty, and I mean, rogues and clerics are so. Specific that like I was like I'm surprised this card isn't legal like usually uncards are so broken that you're just like oh this could never work but this sword like I'd be willing to I'd be willing to let this sword be in our commander I w- games I would put Grimlock as my command I'd make I'd make a Grimlock deck somehow and uh, <laughs> what would you do with it What would I do with it probably be like probably be like some weird like Kaladeshi Ixalan kind of like dinosaurs vehicles that have a Transformers toy with me the entire time so I could transform Grumlock whenever I needed to. Um, but yeah, as far as I'm aware, those are just promos at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, but what would you make? I just As something fun, I, I thought it'd be fun if we just kind of thought about if we were going to make cards for the next unset, like ridiculous dumb dumb cards, what would be something you would make? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know if it's the, the problem with this is I don't know if it's already been done because it's already ah, been who two. Who cares? Give it, give All it right. a go. So like one would probably be like hide and seek, where <laughs> it's a sorcery, it's a it's a sorcery card. Um, it probably be it probably be like blue, probably where um, <laughs> you when you cast it. Uh, everyone else closes their eyes. You take a card from your hand and hide it somewhere on the playing field. <laughs> and if players can't find it in two turns, you get to cap- put it on the battlefield for free. <laughs> That's cool. But at any time, someone can say, uh, what is it? Uh, oh my god, what is it? Ali Ali Oxen Free. And it goes back to your hand. Oh. Maybe something like that. Maybe so it's not super broken. Right. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. <laughs> I like it. it rem- I was thinking of rock, paper, scissors, the rock, paper, scissors, uh, s- the cycle they did. Mm-hmm. And I was like, something like that. What would be like, oh, hide and seek would be fun. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> um, I was thinking I'd get a card called something that's effective, like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be red, obviously. Of course. Um, it'd be, I'd say about probably two red and three colorless to cost to cast mm-hmm. um and uh it would involve you have to actually be drinking a beer and you have to pass the beer to the player on your left and until end of turn all of your creatures gain plus five plus five trample haste like lifelink and protection <laughs> oh, from <God>. creatures <laughs> but you lose the game immediately afterwards <laughs> but Dave, this is a children's card game and you must then finish the beer <laughs> Otherwise, you prevent all combat damage done that turn. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let me think of another one. Hmm. That'd, you know, be fun. Uh, just for like a little time. I was looking at your shelf there. I'm like, Jack Skellington would be a pretty cool legendary creature. Like a the pumpkin king? Yeah, pumpkin king. Legendary creature, pumpkin, pumpkin king. king. But then he transforms into legendary creature Sandy Sand- Claus. Sandy Claus. <laughs> Where he gives people presents and they flip a coin, and sometimes that present is good, sometimes that present is a creature that attacks them. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, hey, 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 wizards. 
Hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> um, if we're going to go with Disney properties, semi-Disney properties, now I'm getting into Square Enix territory, I'd make the Keyblade. The Keyblade? Yeah. It'd be the Keyblade or the Keyblade or the Keyblade. It'd be the Keyblade. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would definitely make the Keyblade. It would be similar to one of the swords, I think, in like a 3-2 sort of equip style. Yeah. But I think it would have a transformability. Oh? Yeah. To tie in with the new game? Um, like, I think the Keyblade would become the Keyblade. <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there? I do see what you did there. Yeah. So it starts off, and, like, it's something to the effect of, like, when you when the, when the equipped creature deals combat damage um, to a defending player, um, transform this card. And, and you must say... I know now without a shadow of a doubt that Kingdom Hearts is light. <laughs> and on the other side, it's just um, Ventus. Yeah. And he's just like shining in a golden light. And he's like a like an angel 7-7 seven, seven flying first strike lifeling creature. Like something stupid. You Sounds know what I mean? stupid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trying to think of another one. Like something like ridiculous. Huh. It'd be like... It'd be fun if, like, if you could take a play off like a planeswalker and make like a really bad planeswalker, <laughs> like you know, uh, Carl, the planeswalker who never leaves his plane. <laughs> like everything is like a plus zero, but he has like <laughs> plus zero. Uh, shuffle your deck. <laughs> Actually, that's pretty powerful. That is actually probably pretty powerful. Shuffle your deck. Plus zero. Look at the look at, look, the at the top, look at look at the bottom card of your deck. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all his abilities. No, no, you gotta give him something oh, else. You know what? You minus know what? minus How two. About this? How about this? He has two plus zeros, but then he has like a plus. He has a minus twenty, but he starts with like two. But he has no way of increasing his loyalty, so you have to increase it other ways. So he's like the most powerful being. But so he- plus zero. <laughs> Look at the bottom card of your library. Just that's it. Yeah. Another zero ability would be like, um, put a plus one plus one. Tap, untap target land you control, then tap it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like something really redundant. Like put a plus one plus one counter on something and then remove it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And then minus 20, you win the game and everybody buys you dinner. <laughs> a steak dinner. A steak dinner. Um, there's a lot of fun things. I am yeah. looking forward to whatever unstable will be. Oh, there's going to be the, the mythic vanilla creature. Yeah. I'm, I look forward to that. It's going to be great. It's going to be stupid. <laughs> um, I mean... When I, say, we, when I say mythic vanilla creature, it's funny to think about. Because a lot of cards of mythic rarity have some kind of... Additional effects. A vanilla creature is like a grizzly bear, where it's a three-three for three. <laughs> like that's Isamaru Hound of Conda. Yeah, but I mean, like Isamaru Hound of Conda mo- was. I mean, he wasn't mythic, but he was a legendary creature, <laughs> two-one for one, and that's it. That's it. You have no abilities. <laughs> but I'm saying, like a mythic creature of today's standard, <clears throat> but a vanilla creature. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've. We'll see. It'll be fun. I hope uh, I hope a lot of players like allow like some fun little commander stuff. You know, I probably won't even buy the set. Aww. I'm looking forward to it, but unless it goes on sale, like I have 
Un... Not even for the full art lands? No. I have Unhinged. Um, I'm not going to buy a pack. Just for... I have so many full art lands, I just don't care. Um, but I have, I think, all Unhinged. Not Unglued. Yeah, I think I have all Unhinged. And a, a single of every card in the set. Because I bought it that way. Like, it was yeah. <clears throat> on Troll and Toad for 30 bucks. And I said, the complete set for 30 bucks. why not? Yeah, why not? Moving forward... Uh, big news came out just this morning behind the scenes with the alleged Ixalan card theft, as the <laughs> article is called. Um, Wizards, specifically Scott Kelly, the vice president of creative and production studios, um, opened up as much as he could legally with what had gone on with the Ixalan spoilers. We now know a hundred percent. That the uncut sheets that were spoiled months ago, without a doubt... Were stolen. Were not only stolen, but are real. Like, there was always hesitation that they might not be, but they are real. That was that was the real Ixalan set, and they really were stolen. Um, from what we gather from the article, Wizards, every now and then at their printing facilities, hires temp agents or temp workers to come in and do work. And supposedly, one such temp agent, um, a temp employee, came into a facility... And stole a stack of uncut Ixalan sheets. Not just one sheet, a stack of uncut sheets. Um, then somehow evaded all the security precautions that they have, which they don't take lightly. No. And um, tried to then pawn them off on eBay. They did catch him on camera in the act. Um, and thanks to some tipsters, they were made aware of this happening. And they researched it, and they have like a, they apparently have a very they're very they're very robust fraud team, um, and they look into this, and they found the guy. He's in jail. He's facing significant charges, um, but obviously they couldn't get around the fact that the photos are out there. Yep. That and instead of you know they even mentioned the article. Normally they they kind of skirt around these things. They don't even mention them. They don't acknowledge them. But this time they full on said yes. Every, this sheet is real. It's not everything, but it is real. Mm -hmm. And it is a shame because I can imagine how disappointed the R&D team behind Ixalan probably is. There's a lot of disappointment around because you think about it, there's many layers to this. One, the R&D team who are excited to show it off but needed more time to prep, you know, their articles, whatnot. Their whole campaign, their exactly. marketing campaign. Number two... Think of the people, the the content creators who were going to reveal these things now don't really get that that surprise anymore. Right. Now it's like, oh, we know this card, you know, so they're mm -hmm. not going to get those clicks, those views. Um, Which, by the way, they have a really cool marketing campaign going on. I don't know. Do you know about this whole geocaching thing? Yeah, I read the article about it. Okay. I Did you ever, have you tried it? No. You know, I signed up for it after I heard about it. There's geocaches all around. Literally in my neighborhood. Like, I, I thought this would be something that would only happen in populated areas. I figured I would log on and I would see, like, in New York City, there'd be thousands. Lot, and in of, New Jersey, there'd be, like... A lot of bored people, man. Apparently. <laughs> apparently, this is bigger than I knew. And I... There's one right down... Like, there's actually, like, eight in the near vicinity of my house. But the one that I went to is right by the... <laughs> there's one in my yard? I didn't even know. <laughs> there's, there's one right down the street at the animal hospital right outside. And it's like a little... Uh, you know, I'm not even going to say what it is because I don't want to spoil it uh, in case anybody goes to get it. Uh, but 
I was just so shocked. I just on one day I was just I was like, you know what? I'll just go look to see if it's there. And it was. And it was hidden. And I was shocked. I was like, no one would know that this was here <laughs> if they didn't know that this was a thing. Um I I was wild. So part of their where I'm going with this is Magic the Gathering Wizards has Hasbro. decided to do, Hasbro <laughs> really has decided to use this geocaching company to create Ixalan related spoiler filled um geocaches and you can you could have it ended now but there was a brief period where you could sign up to try to be selected to be one of the people that hide one of these geocaches in your area and I did sign up I don't know if I'll get it probably won't but I would assume they would stick to major cities but it makes sense like big big areas where they know they'll get the press right but um all in all, it, it's it's fun. It's a fun idea. But it's stuff like this that now is less exciting for them because part of the things that they're spoiling are already spoiled. Which, in all fairness, they did release a huge chunk of the cards. Anything that was on that sheet? Well, not everything. Not everything. But the majority that was on that sheet, if it was legible or, or semi-legible, they released yep. in full form to show you. In addition, the big... Bigger news, maybe even, in fact. They released another Jace, which isn't big news except for the fact that it's, like, sexy Jace. Sexy. Got Captain like- Jace. <laughs> he went a little crazy when Nicol Bolas broke his mind. Yeah. And he's like, I need a vacation in Ixalan. He's like, oh, I need to be sexy. <laughs> um, sexy Jace has a new type. It's no longer just Planeswalker. What is it, David? It's legendary Planeswalker. Legend and dairy. it's yeah, and it's not just for effect. It actually has a new rule. Planeswalkers are now going to have the actual legend rule applied to them. Some people think, well, what's the difference? The key difference is this: originally, you couldn't have two of the same kind of planeswalker on the field. That meant if you were running Jace the Mind Sculptor, you couldn't run original Jace Belleron and put them on the battlefield together. You had to pick and choose. You either had to pop the Jace TMS or you had to pop the new Jace they were trying to put in. But you couldn't have them both on the battlefield at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now, as long as the planeswalkers don't share a name, specific name, yeah. you can have them both. Which means you can have a deck full of all Jaces. All the Jaces. You can make Baby Jace the Jace deck. <laughs> And you can make JC Jace come out with Jace and Jace yeah. can Jace while he's Jacing. Oh, and I, and I up this Jace to draw. And I up this Jace to mill. And I up this Jace to mill. It seems dumb. It's going to... It seems I, dumb. It's going to affect Legacy, I think, the most. Legacy is going to be a huge... Especially in terms of Jace. I think Legacy is going to... It's going to be a lot of nasty stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, Planeswalker hate is going to come back in full force, I know. Oh, 100%. Like every, vampire hex mages are going to be in everybody's deck. And <laughs> anything that says murder target Planeswalker will be in there. Um, but I'm, you know what? I'm excited because I have a five-color Planeswalker deck. And I do have, like, I have both Tamios in there. It's nice to know that I can now put them both out and use their abilities separately. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. She makes some really, uh, some really fun deck building a lot of, all over the board, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes it so that they can they can reprint. But I mean, why would they? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it means they could do well. One of the things they could do is Jace's. Uh, it, just as, for example, Jace's minus five. 
is create two tokens that are copies of Jace Cunning Castaway, except they're not legendary. So you can make they're all Jace, but they're not legendary, so they can be on the field at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It is weird. It's kind of strange. <laughs> A little bit. But hey, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where, like, you you know they took they took the time to be like, they're kind of paint. Where can they expand with planeswalkers? So they think to themselves, you know, the copy planeswalker is coming, right? Oh yeah, 100%. the planeswalker. It's like this planeswalker enters the battlefield as a copy of like the you changeling know, planeswalker. Yeah, another target player. Like, it's gonna be something <laughs> stupid. You know what I mean? Or 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 like a planeswalker that's like search for like you know. Nicol Bolas enters the multiverse of like oh my god mirrorverse and he's it's like search for all cards that are legendary planeswalker Nicol Bolas and put them into play you know what I mean or like you know what I mean something dumb like that yeah uh, yeah it'll be interesting all the Garruks all of the Garruks <laughs> even the evil Garruk from eight, 1980s that's right <laughs> 1980s uh, what was it how did oh. the, what's the Crimson Chin reference that I'm trying to make that oh, I'm yeah. failing at horribly. It's like even the 1980s cursing Crimson Chin. Yeah. Day, you know what I mean? Like that's how I feel about black and green, uh, black and green. transform Garruk. I knew that other black green Garruk too, didn't yep. I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, poor Garruk. He hasn't been around. He still makes me sad. He's still Vraska's Vraska's the green, probably going to be the green black planeswalker of. Uh, oh, definitely. She's the main <laughs> character of Ixalan. Yeah. She became a pirate apparently. Pirate captain. Yeah, and she's like, I don't, I don't know why that. I, I don't know what they're doing. Why does there have to be a Jason every set? I thought they were going to ease up on the Gatewatch. I thought after Ixalan was when they were going to start oh. easing up after Gatewatch. Does that mean we're going to have more? Are all we're going to have a full pirate Gatewatch? Is there going to be like no. Chandra because Nalar? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to go too much oh, into. You, you completely missed. I'm that. so sorry. And that was I, right up your alley. I'm laughing For those that too. don't know, Jengis was all about pirate jokes back in the day, and that was a beautiful pirate joke off the top of my head. And he was too busy. Looking up new information to appreciate it. I'm going to say it again. Chandra Nalar. <laughs> All right, so Christy. I was, uh, I was, I did read in one of the, uh, the flavor texts that there was another planeswalker mentioned. Um, I can't find it right now, but I, th- I wonder if they're going to put that planeswalker. Like, uh, I wonder. Do you remember which planeswalker it was? No, it was a new planeswalker name. Oh, uh, there it is. When the Planeswalker Angrath called dinosaurs dragons, the name stuck in certain pirate circles. Oh. And I never, I looked at him up. I didn't see Angrath in any of the other card before. Uh, it doesn't matter. You ready for this? What? Red, green. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> because that's all they do. Because they don't know how to make Planeswalkers of other colors. They're just like, <laughs> we need Planeswalkers for this set. What Planeswalkers are we going to do? Let's see. Let's have a Jace. What else can we put? Oh, let's put a red, green Maybe Planeswalker Maybe Vrosk is going to be black and not green, black. No, I'm pretty sure she'll be green, black. Yeah. It'd be weird if she went straight black. I suppose. Um, Maybe it should be like green, black, blue because of the sea. No, <laughs> she's not really. No. I think that she's in green, black. Fair enough. <laughs> but should be cool. Uh, yeah. It's still ways out. So. Yeah. So. When we know more, we'll talk about it. We definitely we'll, will. We'll do a full deep dive into, into all these colors. Yeah. Uh, so that pretty much ends our Magic the Gathering section. Indeed. Moving on to D&D. I had originally designed this. We were going to have a guest star, but unfortunately, things happened. 
Um, and maybe we'll have this guest star on a later podcast, perhaps next month. So this were these were kind of meant to be more of a three-person conversation topics, but we'll deal. Um, <laughs> so first and foremost, uh, I call this stripping it down. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice and dirty-like. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> uh, what elements do you think you need or do you like to have when you play D and D and in terms of like mechanics and other things and what mechanics are you not so keen about? And then kind of, we're going to talk about maybe some things that we wish we could see in the future. So let's start with what is a necessity for you? Like for me, for instance, if I'm going to play a D and D, a necessity is dice. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just a D 20, do I need all the dice? No, I can work a D. I can work a, a straight D 20 game. Um, I would like to have all the dice. That's where my light comes in. Um, but I, and so let's just keep with needs. Need, I say I need a D20 and I need, in terms of 5th edition, I would need the PHB or access to the rules of the PHB yeah, and at least access to the monster manual. Mm-hmm. And I think those three things, access to the rules of the PHB, the monster manual, dice, oh, and, of course, paper and pencils. Not necessarily character sheets. That's more of a like. Yeah. But a need, kind of like. paper and pencils. That for me, that's what I need in my D&D game. What about you? Hmm. Do you overlap? Do you have extras, less? I would say pretty much the same. Because, like, I think we've both come to a point where as much as minis are fun and maps are fun uh, to, to have and to visualize these things... At times, it's harder to transport all that at once if you're going to be playing somewhere else. And it, it, I feel like people role play better when they have to rely on their own imagination. I should say that technically, you don't need anything for D&D. No. You could just play imagination with anybody. Yeah, like <laughs> you can do make-believe with anybody. I'm just I'm, – what I'm saying is, is – even my needs are kind of more of like likes, but like if I'm going to have a, I should say if I'm going to have a successful D&D game, those are my needs. Because I would say, I don't know if I need the monster manual. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have balanced creatures, <laughs> but you could probably get by at least in like a lower level campaign with not having uh, a monster manual offhand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can like, this has a bit more health. It has a little bit more AC. It's got these. This moves. is the super orc. <laughs> this is the goblin champion. This is the super saiyan god super saiyan orc. <laughs> his name is Gorku. His name is <laughs> Gorku. <laughs> this is his super saiyan green. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so original. <laughs> um, okay. So I can see that. So what about likes? For me, what I like to have... I, I, like I said, I like to have a full set of dice. Um, I like to have actual character sheets. Um, if I'm playing the game, I like to have a description of all my abilities on my character sheet ready to go. Or even description cards next to me. Um, I like to have the DM's guide. And I personally like to have maps um, and visualizations. That's why I have the, the gaming table with the TV in it. I like visualizations. Um, they can slow down the game sometimes, but I do like having, even without, even without being like too 
strict with where they are on the map and what map placement. Just giving the players and myself a visualization of the area, I, I do like having that. I can do fine without it, but I like it. What about you? I would say I like to have character sheet. If I'm going likes, if I'm going like, hey, this would be cool. As if everyone kind of had like a, I like the roll 20 aspect of things where I like to have, so each character has their own character sheet and I have access to their character sheet whenever I need them. From a DM's perspective. From a DM's perspective. Um, I like, I would like to have at that point, I would like to have the monster manual because like I said, it's nice to have, you know, well-constructed you know, monsters. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent like DM's guide. A lot of that stuff, in my opinion, I could probably, f- that I could be like, eh, it's not, you know, it's nice, especially to have all those loot tables and all that jazz. That's why I said like. Yeah. It's uh, not a need. It's not it's a like. need. But even then, like, I don't think I'm like, eh, you know, I'm not like, I'm not like fiending. You know, mm-hmm. um, I prefer uh, instead of like maps. I would just say like visual aids in general. I would like. Well, that's what I mean when I say not just maps. I'm I'm mm-hmm. saying like even pictures of like if if I'm throwing a monster out at you, it's nice to have like a picture. Yeah, this is what the monster looks like. Yeah. Um, beyond that, the the ability to yeah at that point, then I would say I would like to have a means of like kind of like plotting out you know, what the battlefield looks like in like a very general sense to like, just to give them an idea of like, this is how far this is. This is how, you know, this is how close this monster is. Yes. This is how close your allies are to this monster. Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. Yeah. You know, it makes, and then, then, then you start getting combat to be more strategic instead of being like, you could still be strategic without it, but it lends itself more to, planning and measuring distances and all that jazz. Definitely. Um, things I, I hate about mechanics of D&D. Um, truthfully, I I have a whole shelf of them, but I've started to dislike using minis. I really have. Um, because I do think it just slows the pace of the game down. That's why I'm saying like I like having map... But I feel like minis just really just they make combat so much longer, especially mm-hmm. with a lot of players. Yeah, because people people also don't think through their actions. I would probably use that new initiative thing anyway, which would make things different and unique. Um, from the Unearthed Arcana we talked about last month, that was last month, right? The initiative, I believe so. Yeah. The Greyhawk initiative. Yeah. Um, but I do think that minis just kind of slow the game down to a pace that makes it not fun. And then you get through less. And there's less combat. Um, I, I just don't think they're needed anymore. They're good visualizations. I like people having minis. That's just the thing. Like I like, I like minis. Are I like still people having the minis next to them simply as a representation of their character, an avatar, even. Yeah. And if something is to come up where we it is like imperative that it, you know it's like a puzzle room and i need to know exactly where people are stepping and it's something i can do fun like that then maybe yes minis are useful but doing basic combat with minis or doing basic map movement with minis i think has become tedious for me mm-hmm. um so i don't really use them anymore they, that's why they just sort of sit on the shelf for the most part um i kind of say like if you want to play a minis game go play like warhammer you know what i mean like this is it to be cynical about it mm-hmm. and i think you 
understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Minis are still a thing because of Hasbro as a parent company. Mm-hmm. And it's something to get people to buy. And they're, you know, they can mark them up pretty neat, you know, mm-hmm. make them random. So you I don't know. know which one you'll get. You know. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, to be cynical about it. That's probably why minis are still a thing. It yeah. will continue to be a thing. Oh, yeah. You know, for the time being. But also, you know what? I like that they made them their own game somewhat, too. They did. And there, like I said, there are plenty of DMs out there that use minis religiously. Yeah. It, they're, they're, their D&D is more of a combat minis strategic game. But that's not D&D for me. D&D for me is about the role-playing. And I think minis takes away from the role-playing. Mm-hmm. I think it's it, it it adds to the role-playing when I'm just like, what do you do? And you're just like, oh, I step around the creature and I jump over his back and I slit his throat. Like, you, know, you do something that we see in the mind rather than you like moving your little mini across the board and trying to... Like, mm-hmm. I flank him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, we get it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, other mechanics I don't like in D&D... Um, there's not much. There's not many mechanics I don't like. Oh. Um, I can think of a couple things. Well, you go first. Go ahead. Uh, I don't like the concept of bonus actions. Um, it's very superfluous. Not superfluous. Mm-hmm. It's vague. It's extremely vague. Um, I like it. But that's I, because I'm a move minor. Yeah, I know. Standard action kind of guy. No, I, I that. wish it was still move minor, minor stacked. Because then you know... Now people kind of get like little like, uh, what's the word for it? Min maxi when it comes to it. I feel like it takes away from like. But in all honesty, haven't there always been min maxers? Yeah, hundred percent. But I feel like bonus actions kind of lead them to that. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, I'm I not a fan. Of, I'm not a fan of calculated experience. Me neither. But they do, I mean... I like Milestone Experience better. Milestone Experience. I wish Milestone was kind of like the standard. In the ways, it is. I mean, it is. In the, but in like, the modules, I, it is 100% the standard. I like in a game where it's just... But the other <laughs> thing... There are things I like about Milestone and things I don't like about Milestone. The, the one thing I like about Numbered Experience is, as a player, you know how close you are to leveling. It's fun to look forward to that advancement. Especially if you want to like get your character to the next level. And it can be excruciating with some milestone, like when you don't know how many milestones are left in this DM's mind, or like you know, am I going to level? Does this does this make me level? So that vague part of it can be kind of annoying as a player, mm-hmm. but also as a player, or I should say more as a DM. As a DM, I like milestone because I don't have to worry about calculating experience. Oh yeah, it's just like have they got there yet? I'm no. just I'm just like here we go. Like you guys gained a level. Um, and there are there 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 are some pros and cons to each. I do think, like I said, as a player, it is nice to look forward to. But also, when it's a milestone and you're a player, you have to make sure your DM is still aware that experience is going on. Like I've played with, I played games with Rocco where I remember he, I specifically remember this one instance where he was going to do like like not just milestone and how we do it, where it's just like yeah you level, but like he's going to do legit milestones. Like, or something, or maybe even numbered experience. Whatever it was, he just forgot that experience was a thing. And after, like, eight battles, I was like, have I leveled? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And I was like, oh, great. I feel like there's a way to do it without being too number crunchy. You could do, like, I'm sure there's a way. It would be too long to, like, hash it out right now. Yeah. But like, I feel there's a way to, like, do, like, 
you know, majors, minors that become major, and then I just wouldn't a even level do that. Is, I just I do like if you want to have I the like best I, of both worlds, kind of. You know maybe. what I mean? Maybe I like I think I think milestones should be story based. Like, oh yeah, it's just being. No, I understand, and I mean they are, but I mean like just in terms of like it, it doesn't. They lend, are this level by this point. It doesn't lend itself well to uh, an episodic nature, though. It, it lends doesn't. itself more to a long campaign. It does. It does. Um, Unless uh, the episode is the milestone. That's true. You play the episode. You level at the end of the episode. Yeah, but not every episode can be a level. Why not? I don't know. I'm just saying. Why not? Because things kind of ramp a little bit quick. Then you only have 20 sessions, really. How? When have we ever gotten to five? I know. <laughs> like, Trust me, I know. <laughs> that's not. I mean, that's not true. The Pathfinder game lasted a yeah. long time until it became dead in the water. Yeah. Um. And oh, by the way, so here's something fun. So um, this is kind of a bit off topic, but fun nonetheless. So uh, we've talked about time stories, the game, and we're not going to spoil anything. But I will say that so Jengis played the first time stories with me and two of our friends and that was the only adventure he had not played it was the original base asylum adventure he then has his own little game group that he plays time stories with and i continued with our two friends and we grabbed another one of our mutual friends so myself and three of our friends went through the rest of the time stories expansions we're now caught up jenks and his group is caught up we're caught up to the current time stories but our group didn't want to stop the time stories get togethers because we're having a lot of fun. So in the meantime, what I'm going to do and which lends itself so well to something that happened at the end of this time stories, um, adventure, the most recent one, which was, um, Lumen for day. Thank you. Lumen for day. Um, which some of you out there that have played it. I think, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we're going to do, a D20 future, a fifth edition D20 future, little mini campaign that's going to go in the in betweens of the expansions. Fun. Would you like to join? Uh, I'll have to see if my schedule permits. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, yeah. schedule permitting. Would you like to That'd like, be join it. up? Because I'd like to have four people. Because I won't be playing. Because yeah. I'll be DMing it, <laughs> which works out really well for my character. Because without the best way to say this without spoilers. Something happened that three of the players were totally cool with, and my character was not cool with. <laughs> so it's, it, it makes sense that my character would step away, and they would find someone else that was cool with what happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so like a little D20 future game. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, Maybe we'll hear about that next time. Yeah, we'll tell you how that went. <laughs> um, so, what, so what do we wish? I, let me just say one more thing I don't like about sure, of course. current Dungeons & Dragons. I don't like that races inherently have pluses and minuses to them. Or just pluses. Or pluses. I you, don't think, like, you don't like ability boons for races? I don't. I think everything should be up to the player how they want to create the character. If it's a very intelligent orc... Let it be a very intelligent orc. That's not a bad idea. If it's if it's a a really swift dwarf, let it be a really swift dwarf. Who's to say they can't be? You know, this is. But I mean, they can be. They can be. But the, you're you're saying that they're that every single dwarf and every single orc is born the same. Mm, you know what I'm saying? No, because that's where your stats come in. You're deciding where your stats go. Yeah. You're deciding the numbers on them. You can put really then high. What's the point of the racials then? 
the racials are there because if you want to have a hardy dwarf with a good constitution, you can. But just because your dwarf like gets plus two constitution doesn't mean you can't set your dwarf's constitution to eight. I feel like they're more they're more guidelines that don't need to really exist anymore. I think your issue isn't with the rule so much as how people use it. Because what people do, they're not saying they're all born the same. They're just saying that these are natural yeah. things of the race, which is fine. Orcs are born strong, you know. Stronger. Or, or, yeah. And here's the thing. It's not that they're born strong. It's that they're born stronger than the other races. Because you could still have an orc with a strength of eight. But that just means that if that orc were a human, it would have been a strength of six. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are still weak orcs. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that you have a problem with that. I think what you have a problem with is that you have a problem with min-maxers. You have the, I've always had a problem with that. And that's the issue. Because the issue <laughs> is that no one's going to play that strength orc. I mean, not no one. There are some people who are good role players who will want to play the weak orc. But if they're playing an orc and they're getting plus two to their strength, they're probably going to play a class that that you know, lends something to. And they're going to put a high ability stat in it. And they're going to use strength. Now, that's not a problem with the D&D mechanics. That's an issue with the players. Yeah. The mechanics do lead to that, though. And I do think it would be interesting if you just got... If everything was human-type abilities, where you got maybe like a plus two in one, and maybe like a plus one in another. But if the races, if what their boons were, weren't ability-based, but it was all... But not ability score based, but like special ability based. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean. Like you play dwarfs because in any because stone cutting is now so amazing that like no matter what dungeon you're in, you can instantly yeah. like figure out the layout and it gives I, you like I a plus like, two to all your rolls. I feel like or, we'll we'll see a version of Dungeons and Dragons that does away with. I don't. In- I think we'll see an unearthed arcana. That says this exact thing. You're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so moving on to uh, what was it again? Uh, is there something you wish there was in D and D that we don't have currently in terms of something in terms of like the mechanics or the supplements or the accessories to the game? Like for me, I wish that there was a way to combine VR with your campaigns. Like I wish there was. This is something. This is not something that's even possible. I think in our lifetime. Then again, I don't know. Technology. No, technology. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> technology boom booms are are ridiculous when they happen. But something that doesn't require computing or coding. Something that literally it's like your imagination helps shape what it is you're seeing. Even if you had to code it beforehand, something that wouldn't require a lot of like pre-built stuff. If you could literally just have everybody put on <laughs> a VR headset and the DM gets like a top-down look at the world and can use movement controls to like dynamically fix what's going on in the world while the players are literally playing like in the bodies of their characters and interacting with NPCs and looking at them and talk like in a full immersion game. Mm-hmm. Ready player one style. <laughs> the book that Jengis hasn't read yet. <laughs> um like a full-on virtual reality, augmented reality, yeah. total immersion game. That for me is what I would where I'd like D and D to go. I would love to have that. Even if I would even accept it, even if it wasn't like something that I would build off my imagination. Even if it was a, if, even if you could only do it with pre-built modules for purposes of computing, mm-hmm. 
even then, to be able to run people through a game and be like, all right, everybody, let's do this. And you all sit around at a table and it's like you put your headsets on and just like to go. <laughs> Reboot. Like, like here it is, like dot hack. <laughs> uh, Sword Art Online. <laughs> yeah. All the games. Um, that for me is what I'd like to see in Dungeons & Dragons. That Just talking about it makes me really excited because that's just something that – I would love. I would love, and even as a player, like I can't even imagine how cool that would be. Like be in Alibris's like body and like <laughs> sling a spell and watch them watch the fireball just like explode everywhere. And, like oh, be cool. And be then cool. if you really wanted to get crazy, the next level of that would be like 4D type stuff where it's enhancing your reality. Like you feel the heat of the fireball <laughs> on your skin, and you're just like oh, sick. You know what I mean? Like that'd be that'd be awesome. That'd be pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I thinking of? So he's like, I just want mechanical pencils. <laughs> mechanical pencils for everybody. Um, Number two, Ticonderoga mechanical pencils. Um, I don't know. That's a tough question because D and D, like, it's weird to say, but like, I like D and D when it's at its simplest. You know. So it's hard to be like, what enhances that simple experience? Um, and there's really like, you know, there's not much that doesn't already exist. Like you say, like, I would like a digital way to have my character sheets. Yeah, that, that exists now. Or like, you know. There is. I told you something that doesn't yeah. exist. Virtual it's, reality yeah, d I'm thinking somewhat in the realms of current era epoch well, think, thinking thinking all realms like 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 i said like wish list like for me it was virtual reality and you could be the same maybe but just what is there something that you're just like this would be really cool like what if it wasn't virtual reality what if it was like, it was like you know seto kaiba's dual disc style holograms you i mean, know what I mean? But like, I say, like that's not too outlandish either because but we don't have it yet we don't have it yet that's what i'm that's saying true. wish list what yeah, that was the Surface, man. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that was a thing? Yeah. They, they turned into a tablet. Yeah. Um, Remember when they said the Surface was going to be everywhere? It was going to be in restaurants. <laughs> and you're like, put your credit card on the table, and it was going to like read it, and that would be it. You'd pay. I remember thinking, this is the future. And then it was like, nope. Nope. They were just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, Something cool would be like, similar to your idea, but like not like super immersive, be like, kind of like you have these projections of people around a table in case people can't all be in one place at the same time. So like instead of like doing so, like so making the online D&D experience closer to, to the in-person experience correct. as opposed to doing it over Skype or something, it's like everyone it's like there Captain America the Winter Soldier style where you see the other people in the room. Yes. And it's like they're there with you but it's actually just all holograms and Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be cool. That'd be cool. That'd be something. Not so... It's not impossible to think about. I don't think my VR... <laughs> no, 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 I don't no. think anything you said like, is as impossible. As far as, like, time-wise... I think yours is closer. Yeah, that's probably for what, sure. I, that's what I mean. I mean, we're already at FaceTime and Skype. Like, how much longer until it's... Yeah, holograms. You know, holograms. <laughs> I've been waiting since the movie Paycheck for holograms, man. <laughs> um... That was a good movie. Did you ever watch Paycheck? Yeah, yeah man. I like that movie. A lot of people hate that movie. It was definitely Paycheck for Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. It was totally. <laughs> and with Thurman. And yeah. Aaron Eckhart. That was like yeah. one of his firsts. Before people knew that. He was just sort of like a douche. <laughs> uh, yeah. Moving forward. 
talking about world building. When you create your own world in D&D, what would you want to stress? Like, what are what are things that you say, if I'm going to create my world, I need to have this. Like, I'll go first. For me, um, I created a world a long time ago. I still hold on to it. I've never gone back to it, but I hold on to it. And I still expand it from time to time, too, just in case I ever want to go back to it. I'm actually thinking of making a video game based off of it, but it's uh, called Mist Haven. And I made, it's like, it's, do you remember Miss Haven? Kinda. Um, Which campaign was that really a part of? It was my own. It was like a. I did it one summer. I don't know if I was I there for that. I think so. If you weren't, you're in for a treat. Oh well. <laughs> um, do tell. I'll send you the Miss Haven PHP. <laughs> uh, it is a <sighs> elemental based society, close to like Avatar: The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. And the center of the con- uh, continent is- of Misthaven, um, there is this city, and I forget what I called the city. I think I called the city Everlong. And the reason I called it Everlong... Because Foo Fighters is Foo the greatest Fighters amazing. Um, the reason I called it Everlong is because there was like a Deku tree style tree in the center of the village. It wasn't sentient. Um, at least not in the same way that Deku Tree is like, you know, oh, Link. <laughs> um, weird hearing voice acting in Breath of the Wild. So weird. Um, Link, <laughs> you have to save Hyrule, Link. Oh, it's so weird. Anyway, um, but it is, a tr- it is a tree that Link, is the... Link, you've been sleeping for a hundred Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> it is a tree that is the staple of all life in Misthaven. It is the center of everything. It's larger than a skyscraper. And it is like, it is their de- it is one of their prime deities, and this there's a whole mythology to it. Um, so for me, when I'm world building, things that I need, I need a center. I want I want to have a, a a continent, and I want to know what its capital is. Like, what is the center? What is the Greyhawk? Mm-hmm. What is the you know Sword Coast? What is the whatever it is? What is the the, the main place? <laughs> The um, Neverwinter? No, I'd say Sword Coast. <laughs> okay. Um, gods are very important to me in a world. I am, I like, one of the first things I do is create the deities. It's I don't know, fun. I don't know why, but, like, I just do, because it's fun to see, like, create my own little, yeah. you know, style when, things. When you're mythology nerds, you're like, man, I want to make a cool pantheon to you. Monsters are not important to me. I pretty much just take the monster manual, and I'm like, these are the monsters. I don't usually create monsters for my world. I, I rely on basic D&D monsters. Um, races are important to me in the sense that I know what races are there, but I don't always create my own races. I think I did for Mist Haven. I might pull this up while you're talking about yours and we can <laughs> discuss Mist Haven a little bit. Um, but I, yeah, deities, knowing the main landscape and its capital, those are, those are pretty big for me. Um, in the capital, I want to know ever like I could care less about other towns and other places. I'm all about the capital city. I want to know who the leaders are. I want to know what's the political system like. Um, what's the socioeconomic status of its people? Yeah. Um, I what's like the, what's their G, what's their gross point? <laughs> no, but like I'm serious. Like I, I what's their gross domestic product? <laughs> what's the what's the crime rate? Yeah. What's who are the prime guilds? Are there guilds? Like, you know, what is a guild? Like they're just it's stuff like that. So I start by building the world 
like the gods and the continent. But then I tend to focus on one specific area, which is great for that area. But the problem is it's always like the starting, beginning capital city. <laughs> and then when the players want to go out somewhere, I haven't thought that far yet because like I'm just so concentrated on this one thing. But for me, when I world build, those are my important aspects, I think, more than anything. Um, and classes. Um, I like to I like to develop I more so than races, I like creating my own set of new classes. Um but sometimes I still piggyback off of D and D basic classes. Mm-hmm. So what about you? If if you're gonna build a world, what do you what do you see in your world? When I think of a world, um a lot of times I think of what kind of adventures will people be having in that world. Um because you know, you can have all kinds of things. But you want to make sure, in my opinion, I want to make sure that the world I create is capable of having these adventures that I think of. Like one one example, I've been kind of like I haven't I haven't really put pen to paper about a, a, a world in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like thinking up fun little ideas. One of the most recent ideas I had, um, kind of similar to yours. About I mean, we just we both like elements. We're big fans. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But Avatar uh, was a good show. Avatar was a great show. Um, even going beyond Avatar, element-based like identities are are common in a lot of uh, pop culture. Um, whether it be like Power Rangers mm-hmm. to like uh, Mastodon, <laughs> Pterodactyl, <laughs> Tyrannosaur. Yeah, uh, to like you know anime in general. You know, there's elements everywhere. Uh, in my world, uh, everyone's born. Of <laughs> everyone's born with a certain elemental affinity, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of shapes that person in a way. Um, whether they be fire, ba- I like to do um, kind of like I do fire, water, earth, wind, um, light, dark. You're gonna we're we're gonna have a fun time talking about this, David, because it's exactly what I did. Um, but the way I like I, that you add light and dark as your elements. You <laughs> and I are of the same mind. Uh, but sometimes I also do. Uh, I like to do another set of corresponding elements. Mm-hmm. Um, specialties, not specialties. I'll get into that in a second. I've got that too. <laughs> it's more like mind and something to represent, like psychic in a way. Mm-hmm. And something to represent body, soul, or like body, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Because um, like light and dark is something, but like the mind and the body are something else too. The mind and the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are so those would be rarer. Like light and dark would be rare. Mind and body would be even rarer. Um, so in this world, everyone's you know has a certain affinity. Um, but they only have the affinity of those lines. However, in the world are elementals. And the job of the adventurers that I think of would be to, to uh, assess whether new elemental, uh, when an element, elemental goes out of control, what, you know, what the element is, if they can handle it. And if they can, they subdue it or contain it or pacify it in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the elementals would sometimes be hybrids, which would be kind of like you're similar to your specialties. Mm-hmm. Like a fire and rock elemental would be a lava elemental. 
uh, a water and a wind elemental would be like a lightning elemental or something like that. A fire and a wind elemental would probably be a desert elemental or something or fire, you know, something along those lines. Uh, and so, and then like my favorite concept was that of like a mind elemental. It's not something you can see, but you would have to go into like someone's dream or like maybe the mind elemental is taking over an entire town and everyone's asleep or everyone's like acting strangely. Mm-hmm. So you have to find a way to like get to where the mind elemental is and kind of like uh, take them out or whatever. Like I said, it's a rough concept, sure, but I like it, yeah. And I would want to create a world around that, and in that way, like I like to think of world. I like to think of cities that are. It's very like Final you, Fantasy cities that are unique to those elements. Elements, yeah, exactly. No, I'm Avatar man, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um. So originally, I think we were going to talk about another uh, throwback D and D. Um, talk about past games. That's kind of. But like I think that. that was more for a three person. So we're going to shift gears. This will actually especially work well for what our our final little piece of our uh, role play is. We're going to go through old my old Mist Haven here. I've been smiling <laughs> just uh, just reading it. Um, so mind you, at the time that I created this fourth edition was the the game, um, and so it's loosely based off of that. Um, but I sort of made it my own. So. Starting off, I have I'm surprised I'm reading this. I'm actually surprised how detailed I made this. This is my alpha PHB um, stats. So we have strength, dex, con, int, wiz, and charisma. I kept the stats the same, um, and I have a standard array of roll um, hit points. This is for everybody. That's the thing is like your class and your race are kind of one and the same. It's not that there are different races so much as there are just different inherent affinities. Similar to Avatar The Last Airbender, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, so this hit points, you have 20, and then you get 10 times your level after first plus con score. Um, I have Suffer AC, Fortitude. I have a basic attack here. Your attack is always 1d20 plus half your level, level plus the modifier plus miscellaneous. Um, damage in terms of how much dice you do. Skills, how much skill bonus you get. Your speed, the base speed for any character is 6. Um, six squares, 30 feet. That makes sense. Um, your initiative mod is dex mod plus half your level plus a miscellaneous. Um, experience. Completing quests and defeating foes will usually earn you a mark of experience. This is the way I did it. Um, it's very similar to like what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Ten marks of experience will grant your character a new level. Huh. That's it. So it's just like, congratulations, you got a mark of experience. No matter what it is, like, here you are. Action points. The idea, I, did, I did have action points, um, but I only gave them out for good role-playing and whatnot, which still kind of exists in terms of advantage and disadvantage. I could very easily update this for a, a more 5e-type setting. Mm-hmm. And it still had second wins back when those were a thing. Um, I have a whole character advancement table here. Look at you. Um, Epic with, affinity traits. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I have abilities per day that you can use based on your abilities and the amount of abilities that you know. Um, so I do have races. I have humans. I have elves, half-elves, dwarves, halflings, and kunari. Um, Someone liked Dragon Age. I, I, I played Dragon Age at the time, and I just <laughs> I thought they were just a cool, cool race. So I was like, let's keep the kunari. Um and it just tells you how each of the races had a specific affinity. Like, each race 
you can play a race of any type of affinity, but certain races get certain boons on their affinity. Like uh, my affinities, I should tell you, are there's the Liquidox, which are the watery affinity, mm-hmm. the Embros, which are the fire affinity, yeah. the Cyclones, which are the wind affinity, the Stogrom, which are the earth affinity, the Illuminus, which are the light affinity, and the Shroudrum, which are the dark affinity. Ooh. Um, now... Humans, the first Embros, the first fire affinity ever born, was an Embros. So at level one, if you're an Ambrosian human, you get an extra boon to your attack and damage. Um, it's always an extra boon to attack and damage if you choose. That's, that's It's the same throughout. You don't have to choose them. It's just if you do, you get it. And it's just a plus one. It's nothing big. Yeah, min-maxing. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's really not that. It's not enough for it to be like you have to be. You know what I mean? Um, and it's not anything to do with your ability scores. That's it. It's just attack and damage. Um, the first Cyclone or Wind Elemental was an elf. The first Illuminus ever born was a half elf. The first Strogrom ever born was a dwarf. Racist. The first Liquidox <laughs> ever born was a halfling. And the first Shroudrum was a Kunari. I should mention that in this world, not everybody has an affinity. It's not a world where everybody can do a thing. That's the big difference. Like, I know in like, you know, it's very avatary, but it's not like everybody like you're born and you have mm-hmm. you can you can you can do something it's rare it's like wizardry level where uh, rare in like terms of like you know one of these people with affinity come in once in a while most people are just commoners of the race and have no powers whatsoever it is unusual to find someone that can control these 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 powers so your affinity is your class the liquid ox are the masters of the element of water. Common physical features of liquidarians can include slightly blue-tinted skin, gills on their neck, blue eyes, and or abnormal webbing between their fingers and toes. Um, and that can apply to any race. Uh, they have stat bonuses to intelligence and charisma, and then I give them a bunch of cool little abilities. Um, swim speed increasing, underwater breathing, obscuring mist, like all just sorts of stuff. That's cool. That's kind of like they're, they're kind of like illusionists in a way. Um, they have ice dagger, minor water based cantrips. Ice dagger? Yeah. You mean they make a dagger made of ice? ice? That's exactly what they do. <laughs> um, and minor water based cantrips. For each elemental, I made it so they can just naturally do any sort of prestidigitation of their element. You don't. Have, it's not. It's not. It's not. An, it's not an ability that you say. I'm doing this. It's just like if you're a liquidox and you say you want to fill a canteen full of water, you can just do it. Yeah. If you're an embros and you want to light the campfire, you can just do it. So the embros are the masters of the element of fire. Common physical features include of the ambrosians can include slightly reddish tinted skin, red eyes, abnormally high body temperatures, and or slightly charred fingers and toes. Um, the Cyclones are the masters of the element of air. Common physical features of the Cyclonians can include light green tattoos birthmarked all over the body, green <laughs> eyes, cold skin, and or a balded head. Some kind of some kind of air airbender. <laughs> um, the Stogram are the masters of the element of earth. The physical features of the Stogramians include rough skin, brown eyes, large frames, and or always seem like they have dirt in their hair. Those dirty stograms. Right? The Illuminas are the masters of the element of light. Common physical features of the Illuminated include a light glow from their skin, golden eyes, and or unaging characteristics after young adulthood. 
And then the Shroudrum are the masters of the element of darkness. Common physical features include dark or black skin, black eyes, black hair, shadowed characteristics. Um, and each of them, so like I said, the Liquidox, they're more of like the swimmy, icy, watery people. Yeah. The Ambros have fire resistance. They have an aura of fire. They have burning hands. Um, the Cyclons, they slow fall innately. They can flurry of blows. They're the monks. Um <laughs> The Stogrom, they can, um, they have a stone skin. They're naturally armored. They can sense tremors. Um, they have gravity of presence, which is like a, they can pull a creature to their gravity. Um, the Illuminas uh, can uh, cure and use holy magic and, you know, do stupid holy things. Whereas <laughs> the Shroudrum can do the exact opposite, which is like dark vision and necromancy and... Would only Illuminas be able to heal? Yeah. Or, yeah. In that in that sense. There's like, you know, first aid, but in terms of magical healing, yeah. it is you have to have the element of light. Okay. Um after that I have basic skills. The skills in the game are basic D D skills, like, yeah. you know, acrobatics, arcana, so forth and so on. I have a whole bunch of feats here. Um some of them were just straight out of the PHB at the time. Others I created. I'm not going to go through them all now. Then we have the Pantheon. The Pantheon. Jacob, why don't you read us some about the Misthaven Pantheon? Sure. Uh, first up, you have Alluvian. Nice pronunciation. <laughs> the, <Good for> you. <laughs> a female uh, god. Uh, good. Good aligned. Domains are water, halflings, and natural order. Her creeds are embrace the flow and harmony of all of life and nature. And water is the essence of life. Respect it as such. And as life presents opportunities, take them. Enjoy the twists and turns of your walk of life. Symbol, a cresting wave of water. That's cool. Thanks. Then you have Asmatam, <laughs> who's not... <laughs> Asmatam. It's a kind of Asmatam. He's male and he's evil. And his domains are evil, chaos, and blight. <laughs> His creeds are, kill those who stand in your way, or never abide by any rules but those you make when they suit you most, or corrupt the elements and use them as tools to gain power. Symbol, a mostly charred skull with few patches of pus bubbled that skin. What an evil god who's it, not Zaztam. Not Zaztam, that's Azmatam. <laughs> This is fun hearing you read them. <laughs> yeah, Zaneth, a male, neutral, death, kunari, vengeance, creeds, punish those that have wronged you or the people you hold dearest. And also, don't, don't fear death, embrace it. And it doesn't matter how you lived, only how you choose to die. And their symbol is a solar eclipse, some kind of death god. Mm -hmm. But a neutral Hence the domain is death. But it's a neutral death god. Yes. So some it's like Kalimvor. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you have the Evertree, a neutral god. Domains are forest, prosperity, and community. Uh, creeds, the constant path, safest one. <laughs> <laughs> Respect your home village and its people. Working together brings strength. And live off the land, but never take advantage of it. Symbol is itself the Evertree. <laughs> Some kind of druid god. Except druids don't exist. Kind of, I guess. And the Everybody's a druid in their own way. There's a lot of gods. I, I, I told you, they're important to my world. <laughs> 
Where was I? Finray. Finray, the male neutral god, adventure, domains, adventure, luck, and fate, creeds. Fate is but the outcome. Luck is the journey you take to get there. <laughs> and then never shy away from adventure and take risks and never for, never regret the choices you make. Symbol, a coin with the same image on both sides. How would they see that? <laughs> um, next we have Hathos. Male, neutral, domains are fire. Is it, is it A-E? <laughs> it is. It's the one of the little A-E's. Um, domains are fire, humans, and battle. Creeds, never back down from a fight. Respect your enemies and those that fall to your might if they have fought bravely and full of spirit. Stand up to those who would hold you down and back your words and edicts with conviction. And the symbol is a bloody bastard sword. Kind of surprised he's neutral. I don't know. Mm, neutral. I mean, you don't really have, like, chaotic. So like, I don't. I have no law or chaos. It's just good, neutral, or evil. Um, in terms of alignments. Calorial. Female. Good. Life. Half-elf. Justice. Justice. Help those who are unable to help themselves. <laughs> Bring justice to those who are unjust and would seek to harm the good. Promote peace, but use might if you have no other option. <laughs> Simple as the sun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, next is Malgath, Malgathon, Malgathon. Sounds wow. like an evil guy, right? It's it's, a, no, it's, it's good. good. Malgathon, the male good god of earth, dwarves, and crafting. The best results are never brought are never bought with coin, but accomplished with your own two hands. Tend to the land, and the land will tend to you. Help to create, not to destroy. An anvil with the earth on top of it. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, next is Oblora. The <laughs> Oblora. <laughs> Oblora, the female good god of air, elves, and travel. Creeds, home is wherever your feet take you. The wind is a guide. Let it lead you. Be thankful for each breath you take. And the symbol is a gust of wind. <laughs> And then, finally, the last two you have are, the first one, Ravain, female, neutral, domains, the mist, magic, and the unknown. Creeds, may you find the mist before the mist finds you. Don't try to rationalize. Don't try to understand. Cherish the excitement of not knowing. And magic is a gift, and always treat it as such. Symbol is a blank sigil. What, what would that be? It's like a, it's like essentially a coin, like a sigil. Yeah. But it's got nothing on it. Huh. It's like a pure piece of like smooth metal. Interesting. And then last, Stilgoth, the male evil god. Domains are destruction, infertility, and nothingness. <laughs> yeah, it's creeds. Creeds are. <clears throat> Consume, destroy, die. Nice. Its symbols are a tongue being stabbed by a poison dagger. So it's like some kind of just evil chaos god. Yeah. <laughs> and then last but not least on here, I have Everlong. Everlong, the capital <laughs> of Mysterium. Detail, detailed account of what Everlong is. Yeah, neutral city, home to the Evertree, population 628,000. I, I wasn't joking. Like, I am 100% serious when it comes to my world building. Ruled by the Keeper, whose will is carried out by the seven elected figures known as the Seven Officiates. Um, then I have notable places. There's the core, 
the house, which is the north, the militia, which is the east, the library, which is the west, and the temple, which is the south. Um, the notable people is the keeper and the seven officiates. The seven officiates, is, there's one main officiate called the voice, and then there's a chosen. Mind you, we have detailed descriptions of all of these. Yeah, I'm like, just not I mean, reading. I um, then in the militia, we have the knight commander, the honor-bound warden, and the reavers. The library, there's just the head librarian. The temple has the high chancellor Siskis and the paladin, plural. And that's as far as I got in terms of my uh, my everlong. And then I have an actions in combat thing. I told you what you can do and how you do it. Um, Seems like the most notable of them is countering. Yeah. Which um, is the one that's most different from normal D&D. Correct. In my game, in the game Misthaven, it's possible to counter the abilities of an affinity user if you have a matching affinity. So two fire users, for instance. To do so, you must ready an action on your turn and attempt to counter the next ability of the target enemy. When your action triggers, you go into an affinity battle. Both you and the enemy roll a d20 plus half your level plus your modifier and miscellaneous to determine... Who has the higher number? You then repeat this step twice more to see who wins best out of three. The following table describes the outcome of the rolls. If you go 3-0, the casters... Uh, if, well, this is caster, counter, and tied. If the caster of the spell goes 3-0, their spell still goes off, and the counter person, their affinity user, is stunned until the end of the next turn. If the caster gets two wins and the counterer gets one, the caster's spell still goes off, they ca- um, but the counter affinity is dazed until the next uh, end of his next turn. If the caster wins one and you tie on the other two, the spell just goes off naturally. If the caster, if it's one, one, and one, caster, counter, and tied, uh, you drop the tying roll and re-roll. If it's Caster zero, counter one, and tied two, the caster spell is countered. If it's one two zero, oh, so caster one, counter two, the caster spell is countered and they're dazed. And then if it's a three zero oh for the counterer, they're stunned and their spell is countered. Why well, was three ties? It's a reroll. No, I don't like it. What do you want to happen if it's three ties? I don't know. The world implodes? Something. Yeah, maybe a big exp- an infinity explosion. It's <laughs> wild magic. That's right. Um, Something crazy happens. So there's a lot we didn't read, but what do you think? What do you think of Miss Taven? I like it. It's pretty cool. Thanks, man. No problem. Um, what would you play? Probably fire. Embross? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what kind of what race? I go Kunari to be honest. Yeah, Kunari Embrass. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it was fun. I did play. I guess you weren't there, but I did. I did test play this. No, I like, was not there. Maybe twice, um, and it didn't go too bad. But I would definitely update this a lot for rules text. I would. I would make it more five e based rather than four e based. Um, but there you go, listeners. A little look into my mind in terms of my world building. Yeah, that's what Mist Haven is like. So. Fun that we talked about um, different types of Dungeons and Dragons because the next thing we're going to talk about, and it ties into a little, we're going to go a little off our uh, <laughs> medium again, um, is we're going to talk, the game we chose is not in fact a regular board game. This time around we are talking about the Game of Thrones tabletop game, original. I think they actually made a newer one. The original Game of Thrones tabletop game. Um, have you ever seen the rule book? No. Well, I've got it right here. <laughs> um, as Jengis is flipping through it, it's based off the sword and sorcery. Um, D20 
game. And what makes the Game of Thrones role-playing game unique uh, is that there's no, like... The classes are not necessarily, like, what you're used to. Because it's a very... Though now there's a lot of magic in the world, which we'll talk about. It's a very low magic world to begin with, and this takes place fairly near the beginning of Game of Thrones. So it's like your class is more simple, like a noble or a commoner or a man of the night's watch. And you have a house that you might have or a tribe that you might be with. And you have different creeds. And it's a political intrigue game. There's like... Oh, there's a whole political system in there because they want to capture that flavor of the Game of Thrones, like, you know, double crossing. And it's it's so weird and different and unique. Um, and I've never played it, but I've had the rule book. Uh, based off of what you're seeing when you're flipping through, what do you think? It's pretty interesting. Very uh, third edition. Um, a lot of it is very thirdy, uh, especially with like the like base attack bonuses move into multi attacks and all that jazz. Uh, a lot of unconventional classes because there's no real like wizards or magic users of any kind. So you have like artisan as a class mm-hmm. and like God sworn, you know, there's like a lot of wacky stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, it's like regular jobs. Yeah. Your classes are like just regular jobs that you would have. They're not, they're not like, you know, it's not like fighter. It's like, you know, noble, Godsworn and like knave, knave. Don't you want to be a knave? Um, so it is interesting. Uh, would you play it? You think? No. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I think it's interesting, but I don't know if I would either. I almost think like just based on the rule book, I almost think they made it too complicated. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. This could be chopped down a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, it's meaty. Like, this book is meaty. But th- at the same time, that's the entire game. Yeah. There is no supplements. Like, you play the entire game based off of that one book. You know, I definitely feel like you're supposed to start out as, like, a base class and then move on to one of these prestige classes. Definitely. Um, you know, like I said, oh, it's even heavy just to hold in one hand. Um, it's Like you said, it's a lot of meat. A lot of meat and potatoes in there. Like you said, the whole political intrigue thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a game that seeks to emulate the feel of Game of Thrones. Yeah. So if you like and you have game a of lot Thrones, of lore in there, too. Definitely. There's a lot of, you know, if you want to... It's it's a fun read if you want to, like... I mean, granted, they've come out with tons of lore books, but if you want to see some great... There's great art in there. Yeah. And there's a lot of lore, earlier lore of Yeah, you can see, like, the what Daenerys was... You know, what this artist's impression of Daenerys is supposed to be like. Yeah. <laughs> um, how much do you... Well, first... Before we, this was a very quick review because what we're really going to talk about is more off medium. Um, based off of what you saw, would you just cursory give it a thumbs up, thumbs down? Man, I feel like if you're going to play it, you could play it in D&D. So like I would probably give it like a thumb, a middling thumb that's yeah. leaning down. I would st- I would give it a, a middling thumb leaning towards up. I like... There's a lot of things that I wouldn't play because I'm just like, I'd rather play D&D. But I, do, I would like to incorporate the political intrigue system into the game. It is very unique. Okay. Um, 
there's rules just based on how you can, you know, how you can speak in a meeting and like what the meeting's outcomes will be. <laughs> and like, you know, like there's just like interesting stuff like that that goes on. That's cool. Um, I think that that part of it, I would give the thumbs up. Okay. Uh, that's a very quick review on a very cursory glance of a game. But the main thing is we want to talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs> I want to talk about Game of Thrones. I was going to say, Dave wants to talk about Game of Thrones. and Because Jengis is not a Thrones person. I am, I am not a Throner, so whatever start you guys sending call him, yourselves. Yeah, he's, not, he's not a Throner like all of us. Cool Throners, yo. <laughs> um, so start sending hate mail to yeah. ysnpgcast at gmail.com so Jengis can know that he should watch Game of Thrones or any other comments for that matter. But... In the meantime, let me just say, the season seven finale just happened. Mm -hmm. And man, oh man, like it was just so much that I waited for finally (laughs) happened. How much do you know about Game of Thrones? I know like parts. Oh, spoiler alert. Yes. Clearly. This is going to the end of the cast. This is, yeah. This is if you, if you, you, we, we, we we waited until this long. So if you don't want to hear Game of Thrones spoilers, you can stop listening now and we'll see you next time. Yeah. You want to listen to Game of Thrones spoilers from two nerds and Jengis' candid reactions based off of what I'm going to say? <laughs> then keep on keep on coming. Yeah. So I know middling things. I know some players. I know what the you know the the zeitgeist has you know flowed out like dragons and White Walkers and the North and the game. You're and saying like buzzwords, man. I, exactly. <laughs> because that's what I know. That's what you know. You know, I know what has, what the internet talks about, you know, what the memes I see, the pictures I look at. I'm going to sum up Game of Thrones <laughs> season one to seven. Okay. In a, in a streamlined fashion. Okay. Um, as best as I can. So you can have an appreciation for... What has happened? A quizzical look appears on James's <laughs> face. It all started. <laughs> they were the first people, um, and they came into the world. Actually, that is in fact true. I know because, uh, like I said, I know some things. No, but <laughs> they came from the wild Game Thrones, people. Game of Thrones, and they took over their lands. And the wild people made White Walkers because they're like, "Fuck these guys." <laughs> No. Okay. So, Game of Thrones, the whole series starts, and you might know some of this, but the series starts with Ned Stark of House Stark, one of the many noble houses of Westeros, gets a call to come be the new advisor to his best friend, who's the king. The reason his best friend is the king is because a couple years ago, there was another king. His best friend's name is Robert Baratheon. There was another king called uh, Aerys Targaryen, nicknamed the Mad King. Okay. And they overthrew him. And this rebellion was all because Robert was in love with Ned's sister, Lyanna. And Rhaegar, who was the king heiress, it was his son, kidnapped Lyanna and raped her. Oh, fuck. And kept her prisoner. And Robert was not having any of that. He went to go save her. And it created Robert's rebellion. And it caused Westeros to split and there's a huge war, and Rhaegar dies, and Lyanna died, and Eris gets betrayed by his captain of his Kingsguard, this Jamie, or not captain, but just a Kingsguard member of the time, Jamie Lannister, who they then, they then future called the Kingslayer. Um, hostile takeover happens, and after the rebellion's over, they need a new king. And all the Targaryens are put to death, as best as they know. Every single one of them killed. 
even babies. Okay. Um, how how wildly savage. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was described in detail. Um, they need a new king because the lineage of the Targaryens is, is done. Mm-hmm. And Robert becomes king. He can't marry Lyanna because Lyanna has died. So instead he marries Cersei Lannister, who is the twin sister of Jaime, the Kingslayer. As I said, the series starts with Ned getting called to King's Landing. Okay. Because Robert needs him to be his new hand or his advisor because the old advisor, John Aaron, has mysteriously died. Oh. Yeah. John Aaron, Ned's wife, Cat, Catelyn Stark. Catelyn's sister is John Aaron's... They're together. Okay. Yeah. A lot. You, you with me? Yes, so far. Cool. Ned goes to King's Landing. Stuff happens there. Other other characters he meets. Um, one is a character called Littlefinger. His name's Peter Baelish. He's like a sneaky conniving guy. As is his other sneaky conniving guy. They're all kind of sneaky Big conniving. Figure. Called, no, Varys. Oh. The difference between these two characters, I, sh- I should tell you, is Varys is sneaky. He has tons of spies. And he, and he schemes against people. But everything Varys does, he believes he's doing for the good of the people. He is truly trying to make the world a better place. Like the people of the entire kingdom? Of the world. Oh. Of all of Westeros. What lofty goals. Yes. Is Westeros the main continent? Westeros is the main continent. There are other continents. There's Westeros and Essos and then some other places. Okay. Um, but we don't talk about those places. We don't talk about the other places. <laughs> um, so he's trying to make it a world, the world a better place. Littlefinger uh-huh. is the exact opposite. That's chaos. He his 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 he says one of the best lines in the series. He says is chaos is a ladder. He wants to climb the ladder, like that is his thing. He has spies the same way he does everything Varys does, but everything he does is to further his one goal, which is for him to sit on the Iron Throne. As the name of the is title, that the name of the throne, the, the Iron Throne. Okay. It is a throne. There, at once upon a time in this world, there were dragons. Okay. They have long, long since been extinct. Huh. But the first king to conquer Westeros, to unite the seven kingdoms, there were seven kingdoms, each with its own king. The first person to unite the seven kingdoms and become the one true king of all of them was Aegon the Conqueror. Ooh, and what he, a fancy name. Yeah, and he rode a dragon called Valyrian the Dread, I think, or Balerion the Dread. Um over Westeros and just melted anybody. Just the, each house has a has a motto. The Targaryen motto is fire and blood. And he brought fire and blood to was, Westeros. Was he a Targaryen? Aegon Targaryen. Okay. And he conquered Westeros, but as the Targaryens diminished in power, because they were incestuous, they thought the only way to keep their dragon powers intact was to marry their siblings and just keep having kids, marry kids and so forth and so on. Yes. Dragons eventually became smaller in size until eventually they just became sickly creatures and extinct. But the first throne, um, well, the throne of the Red Keep was the... Is the Red Keep in the Red King's Keep Landing? is in King's Landing. Okay. Um, the throne itself, the Iron Throne, is all of the iron swords used against him in battle. All of this, like, all of the, the militia's arms that the dragon melted together. Into a spiky thing, uncomfortable seat called the Iron Throne. In Game of Thrones, the the TV series, it is a very average sized throne. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's big, but it's not like 
unruly. In the way it's described in the books, it is it is like the size of this room. Oh wow! Like in terms of its length, yeah, and then its height is also. It's like you know a cathedral. It's the top of the 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 cathedral. It's it's a big deal, and it's not comfortable to sit on. It's not supposed to be because Aegon believed a king shouldn't be comfortable. Like you should be uncomfortable. Some kind of sword of Damocles thing. Yeah. Um. So Ned comes to King's Landing. Okay. Meets Littlefinger. (laughs) Meets Varys. Um. Meets Cersei. Before he came to King's Landing, Cersei was up with Robert, and Jamie is there too, and Ned's son, Brandon, saw Cersei fucking her brother, okay, Jamie, her twin, and they pushed him out of a window for it. Oh. And he lost the memory of it and ended up, uh, he's paralyzed from the waist down. Well, that sucks. But he had a dream about a three-eyed raven. Three-eyed raven? Yeah. So, we're so much lore. There's so much. We're trying <laughs> to streamline it. Just to get you to where I, I, I need to be. I'm going to skip as much as I can. Okay. Ned dies. Oh. Ned gets killed because he finds out that all of Robert's children, he has three of them, Joffrey, Mycella, and Toman, he realizes aren't his. He realizes they're all Jamie's. He finds out, that's how he finds out about Jamie and Cersei being together. Through genetics. Because he realizes that the Baratheon gene has a dominant trait of brown hair. Every child that's ever been born has brown hair. Mm-hmm. And that blonde gene of the Lannisters is a recessive gene. And every kid that they have together has blonde hair. And he realizes that Robert can't be the father of those kids. This causes Littlefinger to betray him. Even though he tells Ned in the beginning, like, you shouldn't trust me. Ned does it anyway. And it's like, I told you you shouldn't trust me. What a fool. Yeah. Littlefinger is one of the best, like, characters that you love to hate. Um, Ned dies. He has several children. His older son is Rob Stark. Okay. His second oldest is, is a bastard child he had when he was off during Robert's Rebellion. He came back from Robert's Rebellion with a baby during the Long War. Um, his wife wasn't too happy about that. But this man is spotless in terms of his nobility, in terms of his honor. One thing he ever did, the one black mark on his record is he had a bastard child. His bastard's name is John. Is it John Snow? It's John Snow. Oh. John Snow. Um, where you're born in the country determines your last name if you're a bastard. If you're born in the no- north, your last name of a bastard child is Snow. In like the south, it's Sand. You know, there's Stone, there's different names okay john snow a lot of bastards in westeros there's a lot of fucking <laughs> a lot of fucking <laughs> fucking and violence it's all it is all right um that's what i hear yeah <laughs> um then he has his next oldest is a girl her name is sansa okay who her she dreams of marrying the the prince to become the, the next queen um aria who wants nothing more than to break the gender stereotypes and be a warrior be a knight and Brandon, who you, I told He's you paralyzed. got paralyzed, and Rickon, the youngest, who is just like the young, forgotten little brother. He's, Ned, he smiles knowingly. Ned, well, <laughs> Ned dies. Rip Ned. This starts a whole chain of events. Okay. Sansa stays in King's Landing, sort of under the prisoner, being a prisoner of Joffrey. Robert dies as well, I should say. Okay. Before Ned dies, Robert gets killed. Oh, fuck. In a... Well, you don't know he's murdered. You find out later that it was all set up. But he was he was mauled by a boar. But it was partially because he was too inebriated and poisoned. So that's why he dies. And Ned becomes king because he's handed the king for like 
a second. So he's not like king king, but he has like the authority of the king for a small brief period of time. Okay. So Joffrey's now king. They hold Sansa captive, sort of. She realizes Joffrey is a sociopath, the next king of Westeros. Rob Stark becomes what they call the king of the north, which is what the he, which is what they had before there was one kingdom when there were seven kingdoms. And in addition, Robert's two brothers, Stannis and uh, Renly, believe that they have a right to the throne. And this starts off what they call the, the War of the Kings. So there's Joffrey, there's Stannis, there's Renly, and there's Rob. This goes on for a while. A lot of people die. Okay. Rob dies. Aww. Catelyn, Ned's, Ned's wife, dies. Rob's wife and his unborn baby die. I think oh, all, rip. That's all happens at what's called the Red Wedding. When uh, a North a North people called the phrase completely just just betray the Starks. Um, Brandon and Rickon run off somewhere. Uh, Arya slowly travels around until she gets to another continent. I'll get to that in a second. And Jon Snow, all the meanwhile, has become a man of the Night's Watch. He gives up all titles and he becomes a, a Night's Watch person. There's a lot of things that happen in Game of Thrones. All the while, Daenerys Targaryen, the last of the Targaryens. How did they all survive? How did she survive? Daenerys and her brother Viserys were, were snuck away by certain people in the middle of the night and went over to the other continent, Essos, where they lived in secrecy. Um, Daenerys, things happen. She regains dragons. Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. Uh, <laughs> he dies. Um, she regains dragons. Oh, where the dragons come from? Eggs that were supposed to be long, just decorative, because they were supposed to have been long since extinct. So the eggs weren't like, they've been around for ages and have never hatched because they're not supposed to be alive. Yeah. Well, there's a whole fire in the house that she's in, and she comes out completely unburnt. And Wait, how's eggs, that possible? We don't know. Apparently, she's immune to being burned. It's part of her Targaryen blood. Okay. <clears throat> and um, the dragons hatch. And people are like, oh, snap. And she becomes like a huge figure. The queen of dragons. So all the while, while Game of Thrones is going on, Daenerys is just gaining all this power on the other continent, uniting Nessos. all of the the wild tribes called the Dothraki. They're like these crazy battle. Bar- they're the barbarians yeah. of the world. She's uniting them together. She's freeing slaves. She's being the best she can be because she her goal is to come back to Westeros and reclaim the throne that she believes is hers because she's a Targaryen. Yeah, of course. There's so much other things that go on. Mm-hmm. Arya becomes a trained assassin All called right. a faceless man. How's that? She works her way. She she meets people. I How do you become a, what's a faceless man? A faceless man is a special assassin. They have they have special powers. They worship the god of death. When they kill people. They clean the bodies and they eventually harvest the faces. They have like a, a, a million different faces. And they can earn faces that they can then wear. And when they put on the face, they morph into that person. How do they morph? I thought there was like no magic in this land. As the story goes on, the moment those dragons awaken at the end of the first season slash first book, magic starts to re-enter the world a lot. But faces- also, in the first episode, mind you... There's a White Walker, which is a ice zombie. So magic slowly becomes bigger. But I thought like faceless ones existed for a while, though, right? So yeah. they've had this magic. They have. Weird, right? Yeah. So magic isn't dead. It's just it wasn't prominent, right? And it becomes a lot more prominent as the time goes on. So the faceless men can morph. They gain the person's voice every 
They gain their memories. They're shapeshifters. They gain their memories. Except they get memories. Yeah. Um, their habits, everything. They can impersonate anybody who's so it's a perfect impersonation. Exactly. Except she, they still retain their own consciousness. Correct. So she becomes a faceless man. Um, Brandon eventually makes his way north of the wall. The wall is a big ice structure that keeps out the wildlings, which is like the the ice the ice barbarians. Yeah, but it also keeps out White Walkers, which are the ice zombies. Is everyone aware of White Walkers? No, White, White Walkers are a myth until the Night's Watch start to sort of like realize that they're real. Not only that they're real, but there's no I thought army. It was in the first episode. In the first episode, there are two men of the Night's Watch that see it. They desert the Night's Watch. One of them dies on the way of deserting. The other one gets killed by Ned Stark. Because if you desert the Night Watch, the penalty is death. And the the man says something to the effect of, like, I know what I did was wrong, but I know what I saw. Okay. Like, there was there was a dead person, and Ned just... Nobody believes him, and they just... Ned beheads him, and that's the end. Ned's whole thing is, if you pass the sentence, you should swing the sword. Very noble dude. Too bad he's dead. Yeah. That's, that's what being noble gets you in Game of Thrones. So, a lot of other things happened <laughs> that I'm seasons. not going to get. Seasons happened. But what just happened in this season, which just was just so good, is for the longest time... First off, Jon Snow died. Okay. He also died. He came back. How did he come back? There's a red priestess. She worships the god of light. And somehow, she worked a ritual... And it, she didn't expect it to work, but it brought him back to life. And it was crazy. Okay. Um, like I said, magic. Magic's happening. The zombies, the White Walkers, they have a, a leader called the Night King, prophesized. He's going to come down and wreck house. Brandon becomes the Three-Eyed Raven. It means he can see, like, past and present all at the same time. And even slightly future, maybe. Um, but I think, I, think in the, I think in the books, he can see all times in the... TV series is just past and present. Is that when the whole like Hodor thing and like he sees that happening yeah. in the past? But he can like alter the no, he can't alter the past. And how did it's weird? He he can't alter the past because the past already happened. But in that moment, like it already happened that way. So it's come time travel. Okay, um, but and, and no one can see him. No one can really. That was specific to Hodor. Okay, um, so Hodor special. Hodor special in the sense that. He technically saw future Bran, and it made him nuts. Outside of that, he's not really that special. That, and he's just a terribly tragic and, character. And he hold, held the door. He he hodored so hard. <laughs> um, the thing that happened, and I hope I set it up enough to make it worth knowing. The, the things that happened, I should say, are there was a theory out there. I, I feel like, did we talk about this on a podcast once? I almost nope. feel like we did. I have strange deja vu. Um. So Jon Snow, right? Yeah. There's a, there was a theory for the longest time. They, they In the books, this theory exists. And in the TV series, it slowly crept in. Um, but the theory was that Jon Snow was not Ned Stark's son. That Ned Stark was too noble for that. And in fact, Jon Snow was Lyanna Stark's son. Finally, after ages, they say it out loud in the season finale. Okay. Jon Snow is not only Lyanna Stark's son, but Rhaegar and Lyanna were in love. They were... Rhaegar was already married. His marriage was annulled and he got remarried to Lyanna in secret. Oh. So all of Robert's rebellion was built on a lie. Oh, fuck. Everybody thought Rhaegar raped and kidnapped her. She ran away with him. Who spread that lie? 
that was just what everybody was told. We don't know. Okay. But that's what the whole rebellion was based on. They ran away. She died after childbirth due to complications. Um, not because she was tortured. Not medieval. because Medieval. And <laughs> Ned took her son and knew that Robert was going to kill every last Targaryen. And the only way to save Jon Snow was to call him his own bastard son. So technically, Ned Stark never committed like a single act of dishonor in his life. Too bad he's dead. Right? <laughs> Jon Snow's real name? Aegon Targaryen. Like the first king? Like the first king. He'd be Aegon the Sixth, actually. And it was just this moment of just pure bliss to realize that, like, <laughs> they finally said it. Like, he is... That also means... He's the rightful king He's of... the rightful king of Westeros. <laughs> and it was just like, oh! Like, it was just, oh, it was just so good. How will you ever find out, though? Um, Bran knows. He saw it happen in the past. Bran. And he's just waiting for Jon to return to Winterfell. He's going to tell him? He's, yeah. He's and probably going to die. The best part about this whole thing, as they're discovering this, and as Bran is like, oh... Because Bran knew that he was the son of Rhaegar and Lyanna... But he didn't know about the secret marriage. This, one of John's friends, Samwell, found out randomly about this marriage thing. He tells Brandon, and Brandon uses his sight and sees the marriage take place. He's like, "Oh my God, he's not John Snow. He's not even John Sand because he was he would have been you know born in the South." It's yeah. like he's Aegon Targaryen. He's the rightful king of Westeros. As he's saying this, John and Daenerys have become fast friends. Daenerys was technically his aunt, and they start fucking on the boat. Okay. So he technically just diddled his aunt. All right. And doesn't know he's diddling his aunt. But, Mind you, they're like the so same age. that's how age. the Targaryens keep the, the I, dragon power strong. And that's why people are wondering what the reactions are going to be. I think, you know, Jon Snow is probably going to be one of two things. One, he'll either be like completely gross and he'll just be like, oh God, what did I do? Or two, he'll just be like, I have one father and it's Ned Stark and I don't care what my blood says. Like... She's not, you know... Genetics care what your blood yeah, says, right? John. <laughs> and Daenerys might just be like, well, Targaryens did it all the time, so... <laughs> and she can't have kids anyway, supposedly. But that was another great line. She was told in, like, the first season by, like, a witch that, like, murdered her husband, sort of, that the witch told her. It was complicated. This witch that was like, you know, you can't... You're, you're barren. You will never have children. You ever conceive. So, so he's going to have Jon Snow's kid. Right? So she's like, you know... It's like... You know the dragons are her children. She she yeah. she treats them like children because she'll never actually have children. Too bad one of them died. <laughs> yeah, one of them, you do know that, huh? Yeah, and yeah, became the, a zombie dragon. Became a Draco lich. It was yeah. awesome and burned down the wall in the last episode. And the zombies now just marching through. Like melted the wall. Melted down an entire section of the wall. And all the zombies, the White Walkers, are and coming now they're through. just coming right through. And that's how that was the final shot of the season. Um, oh, two years you're gonna have to wait. Maybe, yeah. Um, but depending leaks. Um, but but uh, what was I saying? Daenerys. Oh, so one of the greatest lines of this episode was like Daenerys says, you know, tells Jon Snow that she can't have kids. He's like, he's like, how do you know? And she's like, the witch that killed my husband told me that. Told me so. And he's like, forgive me, but maybe that wasn't the most reliable source of information. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, funny. Yeah. So you don't know. How you, far are the books? Not this far. Really? Jon Snow just died in the so most recent What's George R.R. waiting for? Dude, we already know is... everything. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. So the, the book's probably going to have to go... Hold on. For... Hold on. Okay. Hold on. I should say that the butterfly effect has taken place largely. 
the first season was almost an exact adaptation of the first book. But you change one little thing and it spirals. There are several hundreds of differences in the books already. You don't honestly we Is can that alive? No. Oh. But like <laughs> you honestly don't know the direction that the books will go. Maybe John won't come back. Maybe he won't. It seems like maybe something he, is going John's on. Maybe John's not the maybe John's not the child of them. That's still probably true. That'd be weird if it wasn't, um, because that theory was that theory was in place pre TV series. That was just book theory became TV theory. But yeah, we honestly don't know what direction the book will take. George R. R. Martin was supposed to release the next book, The Winds of Winter, two or three years ago. And every year he was like, oh, I think it's going to be this year. And now he's just stopped saying it. And the problem I have with George R. R. Martin is that. I understand writer's fatigue and I understand writer's block, but he takes on all of these extra projects and all of these tours and all of these fans. And I think that that is what's draining him from actually writing his book. And he says he's in, you know, oh, yeah, I'm doing great health, but I want to be like, dude, yeah, I'm going to make that that next book. <laughs> the dude is overweight and old. I know he's going to just at this point, he's going to kick the bucket before his series ends. I'm going to be shocked if Winds of Winter ever releases, let alone the final book, which is supposed to be called Dream of Spring. So, frankly, at this point, I think the TV series is all we've got. That sucks. Yeah. There's one more season. Yeah, I know. And it's only six episodes. And I know it's not going to be as satisfying as the books will be if they ever come out. But, um, so that was the big thing that happened on Game of Thrones that I wanted to discuss. His name is Aegon Targaryen. Yeah. My Facebook status probably makes more sense now if you saw it. It just said Aegon. Um, another great thing that happened, and I'll bring this up because I brought up the character of Littlefinger. Littlefinger's been manipulating everybody. He tries to manipulate. Sansa and Arya finally reunite in Winterfell. And you see Littlefinger, Littlefinger trying to manipulate Sansa into killing Arya. Trying to like exile her or something. Get Arya out of the picture because he's, he's threatened by Arya. Yeah. So she calls Arya into the uh, into the like great hall, so to speak. She's there. All these guards are there. Littlefinger standing in the corner, like he normally does, with a little smug, like all knowing smile. Like, oh, hey, look what I've done. And she and Arya looks around, and the doors closed and locked behind her. And she's looking at Sansa, and she's like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" And Sansa's like, "I'm sure." She's like, "Fine, get on with it." So Sansa goes. You stand accused of, you know, murder and treason and this and that and all the things. And she goes, she goes. So, so, uh, you know, what do you have to say for yourself? And then she turns and she goes, Lord Baelish. Oh. And Littlefinger just his eyes, like he just, what, what, what? It was all big setup. They knew Littlefinger was trying to play them, and they just turn on him and. Finally, after they just, she's like, Sansa's just like, you've been found guilty. She's like, we're, we're, she says this cool line. She uses his own logic against him. What's great, by the way, is the whole conflict of Game of Thrones starts because of Littlefinger. Littlefinger kills John Aaron. It was Littlefinger that poisoned John Aaron. It was Littlefinger that sent the dagger to try to kill, like, a, an assassin to try and kill Brandon Stark in his sleep, uh -huh. which caused Ned to come to King's Landing. All of the chaos that has ensued has been Littlefinger's doing. It all started with Littlefinger. And what's great is when Littlefinger gives the dagger that he said wasn't his, he was like, he gives it to Brandon. He says, I think you should have this. When Brandon returns to Winterfell, he's like, you know, I think, you know, 
of the assassin tried to kill you. Maybe it'll keep you safe. Yeah. You know, I, and Brandon doesn't say anything. He just sort of like looks at it. He, Brandon has no emotions anymore because he's just, you know, the yeah. Theodore Raven. But what's great is that I don't, Littlefinger doesn't realize that Brandon can see like past, present, and future. And there's this great moment where like Littlefinger's like, oh, I'm sure it must be hard for you to come back and see all this chaos in the world. And Brandon just cuts him off and stares him dead in his eyes and goes, chaos is a ladder. And Littlefinger, just the look is just like this, like, like, because like, he, like, oh, it was perfect. So what's great is then in the Great Hall, when they're talking about how he betrayed Ned and said, you know, and caused Ned's death, he's like, none of you know, none of you know the truth. None of you were there. None of you saw what happened. And Brandon's just like, you held a knife to his throat and you told him, I told you, you shouldn't have trusted me. And Littlefinger just turns around like, he doesn't even know what to say. <laughs> this is like, that's awesome. Anyway, when Sansa finally passes the judgment, Littlefinger's is on, he's on his knees. He's trying. He's like, Sansa, please, if you would just... Arya just walks up cold-blooded, slits his throat right there, and just walks right back to Sansa's side. It's wild how much of a killer this little girl is now. I um, bet it's not really him. Oh, no. It was Peter Baelish. Okay. Um, yeah, he's um, dead. Okay. Um... Game of Thrones isn't one of those things where it's like, not really. Like, they kill main characters. Like, okay. this is what they do. <laughs> um, so, really, those were the two biggest things that happened that I really wanted to talk about. A lot of other things happened. Oh, you talked about White Walkers. Does anybody know? The whole point of the episode was Jon Snow's been going, trying to get people to come fight the one fight that matters. He says, the fight between Daenerys and Cersei right now. Cersei's currently the queen. Yeah. <clears throat> Our kids are dead. She's the only one left. So, she's queen. Um, it's Cersei versus Daenerys. Big war coming. And Jon Snow's like, tells Daenerys in the beginning of the season, your war doesn't matter. The only war that matters is the war versus the living. And he's been named King of the North now, by the way, Jon oh, Snow. Good for him. Right. But he ends up bending the knee to Daenerys anyway. And so it doesn't Aww. matter. But it doesn't matter because he's technically the king of Westeros. So really, I don't think the North is going to complain if he ends up being king in the end. Uh, but he... He's like, you need to join me. And nobody believes him about the White Walkers. And he's like, I wouldn't believe me either, but you, you, need, to, you need to see it. Daenerys eventually does see it with her own eyes, which is when her dragon dies. All part of a plan for them to capture a White Walker and bring it to King's Landing. And parlay with Cersei and say, we need to put a, our battle on, on hold because we all need to join together. Because if the dead get through the wall, and they get, they're going to kill everybody. And killing people just adds to their army. Yeah. So we need to work together. And they see a, a White Walker for the first time, and just it was awesome to see the looks on the people's faces. Um, there's so much more I could say about Game of Thrones, but that's what I really wanted to say. Any of this make you interested to to watch? Oh, yeah, hundred percent. I would probably rather read though. Mm. Read first, then watch. Probably just only read. You should watch. It's worth I'm... watching. <laughs> it is. It really is. A hundred percent. Maybe even more so than reading right now, only because. You're not going to get satisfaction reading because you're not going to get anywhere. Fair enough. Um, anyway, that about wraps up uh, <laughs> a very unusual ending to uh, our episode. Yep. If you like Game of Thrones or you have any comments for us, um, email us at ysnpgcast at gmail.com. Uh, 
Until next time. Indeed. Enjoy. And when we come back, we'll have Hascon news and uh, probably more stuff to talk about. Ooh. And Dave will be the father of two children. <laughs> also... Also look forward to, in October, in addition to our October podcast, um, there's going to be the 30 days, 31 days of Halloween on Geek Aiden. Uh, we will, you're going to have a, a short stories being read. Also look forward on geekade.com to the 31 days of Halloween. There's going to be all sorts of spooky stuff going on. Um, scary short stories being read by some of our Geekade team members. I will be reading a couple short stories. Are you reading short stories? Oh, yeah. Excellent. And as a special, you shall not pass go on Devil's Night, Mischief Night. Um, we are going to release a special one-shot horror campaign. We'll remind you again come October. Yes. Uh, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. Oh, also, another big news. This is going to be our last Saturday release or our first Sunday release. Um, we, are, we are switching days. It is Sundays that you shall not pass go. First Sunday of the month that's coming out You won't now. realize this until you listen to it. Yes, but if you're wondering why it was a day late, that is why. Yeah. So have a great September, and we'll talk to you again in October. Yep. Peace. Peace.